So welcome to episode three of Bikes, Beers and Banter. And I'm joined today by my guest, Abby Kular. Um, have I pronounced that Kular properly, perfect. Abby? Yeah, that's that's absolutely perfect. Damn, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so welcome, Abby. Um, you and I have known each other for uh, well, a relatively short space of time, I think. But in that time, you know, we've um, we've met um, and we've um, we've had a lot of communication with each other. And, and I follow your YouTube channel as well. So, you know, um, I feel like I know you a little bit better than than uh, than I would for for the for the relatively short space of time that we've yeah. uh, that we've known each and, other. And likewise, I feel the same. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I I mean, there's so many questions that I've got for you today, Abby. Um, I guess maybe just giving us a little bit of a a little bit of a, a summary of your your background. Uh, you're yeah. a you, you're a, a a YouTuber, um, yeah. and you're a, a track track rider as well, amateur yeah. track track rider. Yeah. Um, t- tell us about the tell us about your YouTube channel. Yeah, so I mean, I'm not a typical typical YouTuber who upload who tells everyone I'm going to upload on a Monday, on a Wednesday, on a Sunday, or something like that. I just I just upload when I want to. But it's for me, it's more about the quality of the content than you know just just relentlessly pushing yeah. um, stuff out to people, yeah. uh, which uh, I think people get bored of that after a while. So um, yeah, in terms of uh, in terms of the, YouTube, the the actual YouTube channel, I started in 2019 March. It was just a diary system of me doing track days, and then I thought to myself, you know what, I'm doing all these track days, uh, and I keep deleting stuff from my uh, memory cards. So yeah. why don't I have a kind of a free iCloud system, which is YouTube? YouTube, in a way, is like it's like your yeah. cloud yeah. of everything you've done so when i get old i've got something to watch uh you know so that's that's the main reason i uh, i started youtube but it it kind of the content started progressing and people started liking it uh you know because it's 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 a bit my content is a bit old school it's a bit less cuts so you don't i'm not in your face straight away keep cutting there's a cut here cut there cut there it's i, I can carry on a scene for five minutes without having a cut you know, and and okay. and, I th- and I think this I I've had this comment from a lot of people. They kind of it brings in like a soothing viewing, very kind okay. of okay. easy viewing. So I, a lot of people say that to me. So I think that's one thing which is which is it, really got picked up. That that's contrary to conventional wisdom, if you like. Everyone's looking for short, snappy content. You know, and exactly, uh, and yeah. the, the attention span I think is. Well, people say that you know that 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 viewers have got a short attention span. I'm 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 not convinced by that. I think that um, I think that good content, engaging content, you, you can get away with longer form content. If absolutely, you like. yeah, absolutely. There's always room for longer form content. I think I will be starting a few shorter form contents, but they will still be very mellow, not like bang bang bang. Of, fonts pictures this like within 60 seconds you're just overloaded yeah. with stuff and i think the younger generation really likes that stuff uh yeah. but yeah. i think I, I will still have a good flow to the shorter form content because i think it's moving that way i'm not a big fan of tiktok and and stuff because i think it's depleted 
people's attention span, but it is what, what it is. And that's the way the world is rolling at the moment. It's true. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, I mean, I, 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 uh, I would promote the shorts that I create, you know, I create promotional shorts on YouTube for these podcasts. I mean, this is only the yeah. third one, of course, but I've noticed that yeah. um, the one I did, the previous one I did with Rich Gibson, you know Rich yeah. as well, of course. Yeah, um, great chap. Lovely guy. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He does a lot for mental health. He's, he's a fantastic chap. I met him at the eight hours endurance race uh, at Orton Park. And, uh, you know, just a lovely chap. I actually gave him a hug. Never even knew him from before. Just gave him a hug because he, he's such a great guy. He's just a lovely chap. He would have enjoyed that as well, Avi. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's he's a great, great, just a great lad. I I, yeah. I I really enjoy being in his company, you know, and yeah. I think that's a good barometer, isn't it? So exactly, exactly. Yeah. By um, the way, you didn't ask me the question you asked him when you started his vlog. If you've got a beer, I actually <sighs> have you. Oh, not bad. I actually thought, you know what, Scottish interviewer or podcaster. Yeah, I'll have a a proper single malt. Scottish, I don't know what's he called, Tully Bardeen, Ooh. Tully Bardeen or something. Okay. So I thought I'll I'll get a special whiskey for this, uh, uh, Joe Rogan style. Uh, no that, cigar, no cigar, but Scottish whiskey here. Actually, I've got, I've got the cigars. Oh, there you go. I've got a couple of um, uh, Cuban cigars there Lovely. that um, I bought a few weeks ago. But, um, well, I can't, I don't, I don't smoke them in the house. And I probably only ever have maybe two cigars a year. Um, yeah. but I, uh, I've just had a quite a bad, uh, well, I've had terrible man flu. I mean, oh. just, just the worst man flu ever. Um, goodness me. Yeah. You recovered? Uh, it was touch and go, Abby. Uh, I have to say it was real touch and go. And then, and then it went into my chest. So, um, I'm not going to be smoking cigars in any hurry at the moment. Oh. But, uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, um, you're on the whiskey. I'm ashamed because yeah. um, you've you've actually done one up on me. And the hat you were wearing in the last podcast, mm. I thought I'm going to get myself one of those uh, hats as well. I was expecting you to wearing. Uh, oh. I was expecting you're going to wear one today. It's all right. I would have actually, but my my uh, <laughs> my middle daughter's gone and stolen it. So. Um, I don't know. I don't know where it's gone. I, th I do remember saying to her, "Here we are." Ah, that's very dapper. I I used to wear this. Jeez, in the you look university. like an you look like an Asian George Clooney. <laughs> well, I can take that as a compliment. <laughs> so, no, I love no, I love this kind of. I, I saw you wearing this in the last podcast, so I thought, you know what, I'm gonna probably. Uh, I was worried that this is gonna cast shadow on my face because of my big YouTube light here. So. Uh, yeah, uh, looks, very, right. looks very dapper. So yeah, so I'm on I'm on the brew dogs. Um, I, d I think it would be a very very short podcast if I started drinking whiskey because um, I uh, I guess that's maybe my Achilles heel. A good well, a good a good dram. With me, it's the opposite. If I start drinking whiskey, which I am, it's yeah. going to be a long podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah your 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 YouTube channel. I mean. You know what? What's what? And I know that you set that up to, um, you know, just document your uh, your your track activity on the bike, yeah. um, which is fair enough. And but it sounds like it's gone and growing into something else. Would it be fair to say that? Absolutely, because I think as I was doing 
this. It was never about me, me, me. Yeah. Look at my performance, look at my lap times, look at my bike, look at my upgrades, look at my suit, look at my amazing helmets, you know, look look at everything. It, it, it was never, I, I think that's probably in my personality. I just try to make the vlogs about the track, the ambience, the mm. camaraderie, people, the, the actual kind of place around the track where you can stay, Yeah. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's from anyone who's never done a track. And also people who who've done track this before and now they miss it so they've got something to see so i you know i include drone footage i include some real quality footage love doing intros with great music and i will match the music to the kind of the kind of track or kind of like i did a mallory park documentary mallory park is is one of those amazingly beautiful forgotten circuits because it's mm. not on the bsb calendar anymore yeah. just like croft for example yeah. um, and i really did uh, a nearly an hour documentary on it and i featured old races old races you know some british superstock races of the past uh, i think i had B B uh, billy mcconnell levi day bob collins a few people in that uh, documentary and I, I threw in some really nice music with some really good drone footage as well. So mm. it's become more of a appreciation uh, kind of vlogs, mm. uh, appreciating everything, uh, yeah. British tracks, uh, the, the kind of, kind of uh, how much we relish uh, going on tracks. Every 50 to 100 miles, there's a track here. Mm. You know, I mean, especially for me in the Midlands, black country, yeah. I've got, uh, just like Rich, I think Rich lives not far from me and uh, Stoke Staffordshire, I think. St so I don't, I don't know that. I think it's oh, Staffordshire. Yeah, no. Staffordshire, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it's, <clears throat> yeah. So it, it's become a, um, a showcasing of everything and anything. Mm. Um, recently, since I started racing, I'm focusing more on performance and lap times, but I still try not to include a lot of lap time stuff on track days, especially while I'm there, because it's kind of frowned upon because technically you shouldn't have a lap timer on your bike. And I tape mine or mine is never working, to be honest, um, because I actually found out my my GPS sensor was on the tail of my bike. Yeah. And at that same position, I put a 360 degree camera to record the overtaking. Okay. That camera prevented my GPS to get signal. And I was oh. thinking, goodness me, I've spent £1,500 on this amazing I2M dash yeah. and it doesn't work properly. Yeah. And no, it, you know, I just found out it was it was that. Why Why is it frowned upon to have a timer? I think it, it gets, um, first of all, it, I think it's, it's in the rules. You're not allowed straight away. And number two, I think I say frowned upon is if I, as a YouTuber, you make one mistake, like a, you crash into someone, you know, you get highlighted everywhere. Yeah. And if you start blowing your own trumpet on lap time's sake, and I'm not a super fast guy, it kind of just, oh, the guy only talks about lap times, nothing else. So I try to make it about everything and performance mm. as well mm. uh, these days. Yeah. No, I've seen, a, I've seen a couple of your videos and um, yeah. they're informative as well as, you know, as well as everything else around them. And yeah. you, you, I would say that you put in an extraordinary amount of work and effort to yeah on the on the post production side as well um, yeah um i and going back to the attention span again because people switch off from videos so easily i try to include i don't know uh, really high quality uh, b roll footage 
and um, photos of um, you know what I'm talking about while I'm talking. Mm. Um, otherwise, you know, people really switch off. So I try to really, you know, search. I mean, I'll give you an example. I'm working on part three of Cadwell Park, Aprilia event, um, and just to search for the intro music yesterday after work, I spent three hours I'm just to search work. for 50 second <laughs> yeah. intro music because I just want to match every scene to music and stuff like that. So post-production yeah. for me takes a very long time, but yeah. I, I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, you know, That that is where you can make or break a video. Absolutely. And and I, I find as well that when I'm doing any post-production that each time I work on a, a new video, I find that I've got, uh, you know, my skill set just increases and increases my, you know, my uh, competency, if you like, in, in yeah. terms of post-production. Um, and of course, when you look at how other people have produced their videos as well, their YouTube videos, you, you can get some influences from that as well. And then off you Absolutely. go to try and find out how to do that one particular thing, you know? Yeah, I'm constantly remember. learning. Yeah, absolutely right. I, and I'm constantly learning. Like this was last month, I learned the Rembrandt effect, you know, like Rembrandt, how, how Rembrandt used to paint his pictures yeah. where you had a, a good amount of light this side, but less amount of light or on this time, you, you see a bit of yellow hair yeah. and a bit of white hair. Yeah. So it gives it, depth and stuff so i'm learning constantly to how to create that quality in the video i don't know if, if the laptop webcam picks it but i'm always trying to you know evolve yeah. uh, and little tiny little things like you know there are lights behind me two yeah, lights yeah. Yep. who are focusing the two helmets in the back yeah and because they are at the back they give me that aura little backlight, backlight separates me from the background like stuff yeah. like that i never knew yeah you know and i'm mm. I'm not a cameraman. I learned everything from YouTube, you know, so just these little things honestly have uh, helped me so much to yeah. really understand. Mm. And that's a new skill, you know, a skill I never had before, Yeah. you know, and I think you get to a certain age when you either go into a midlife crisis or you want to learn something new. Mm. And YouTube has allowed me to learn a lot of skills, which I never had before. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's I think it's great. I mean, I I did I so I did um, photography for quite a number of years, um, still photography, uh, landscapes. Uh, you know, <laughs> spoiled for choice up up here to be honest. But um, but then I, I joined a, a camera club, a local camera club, just so that I could enter my images and get uh, judged on those images, and part of that camera club, sometimes they would have a, a, a portrait photographer to come in and we would spend up some time upstairs in the studio and he would talk to us about studio lighting as well. And mm -hmm. so then I started to book out the studio and get the kids in and get some really good portraiture photographs of them and, and learning the different technicalities of, of lighting a subject, you know, and it is just super, super technical. It really it is. is. I, I, and I just don't think that I could ever be a good portrait photographer. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's like a, you know, yeah. it's a difference between a bricklayer and a plumber, really, you know, exactly. one can't do the other one's job, you know? 
Well, so, I realize lighting is like 60%. Camera settings are like, what, 20%, hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and honestly, skill comes later. You yeah. know, it, as long as you've got, you can, these days people are taking amazing photos from their mobile phones. Oh, completely. You know, just because they got the lighting right. Yeah. They've uh, got the settings right. And they've done a little bit of post-production. Um, and that could be, uh, what do you call them? Different modes, you know, which... Oh, filters. Filters. That could be yeah. even filters. And yeah. that can create an unbelievable photo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was I was with some friends a um, couple of weekends ago up north, and uh, we were at one of the little uh, seaside villages. We'd gone in, had some lunch, came out. And uh, my mate's wife is holding up her Samsung uh, phone, latest Samsung phone, right? And this phone is actually showing her where the best composition is. And then wow. it, and then it does everything in uh, HDR, high dynamic range, so that the sky is, you know, so you see, basically the camera takes a picture of essentially what you're seeing as well. So Yeah, artificial yeah. intelligence. At its best. That's exactly what it is, isn't it? AI yeah. at its best, yeah. yeah. Um, just in the hands of Joe Public, yeah. you know? Joe, yeah, Joe Blogs, um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's that's your YouTube. Um, that's your YouTube. Uh, that's how it started, yeah. Gig, and yeah. That's how it, yeah. Well, ultimately, what do you want to, to achieve from your YouTube channel? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, honestly, I never had um i've got a day job you know I, I work in a bank you know so I, I i never thought this will pay the bills and it doesn't pay the bills let me tell you it hasn't even paid me in three years for the amount of kit i've got that light that light my camera my camera stand camera bag hmm. and a few other things you know yeah. so it's the the money is is not that much and i'm not that greedy as well who like i think you will see um in three and a half years or three years, I don't know how long I've been on, on it. I've done about 128 videos out of which 20 odd are one lap videos, which is just, you know, so I've not even done, I've probably done one less than one video a month, you know? So, so I'm not, and I don't bombard people with advertisements as well. Hmm. So money was never hmm. uh, the, the start, but now suddenly this whole thing, you know, in 2019, you would think 2019 isn't that far away, but there was hardly anyone just like doing tracks. You know, I was the only one doing tracks. I think even now there's not much. But what I'm trying to say is that the whole trend of followers, followers, how many followers you've got, followers, Subs. has just exploded. Yeah. Subscribers or followers, yeah. Instagram and TikTok and, and just exploded recently. It's mm. just gone absolutely mad. So how do you kind of, you know, differentiate from other people. So I think what I wanted to do was have a YouTube channel where my track day expense kind of gets covered. Yeah. And the truth is it doesn't get covered at all, mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, but that's partly my fault because I don't release that often. I don't put too many advertisements in the video mm. in, in a 30 minute video. I will put two advertisements, you know, mm. where other people might put four or five or six. Yeah. And uh, but main thing is, uh, shorter content gets you more views because 
people are more likely to click on shorter stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing I don't do. I'm not a traditionalist YouTuber, which YouTube, YouTube doesn't like me because I don't do things YouTube want me to do. Yeah. You know, because they want to make money at the end of the day and yeah. they want to take their cut out from giving whatever they give you from uh, pennies from these advertisements, honestly. So, so, here's yeah. a, so here's a question for you then. Yeah. Um, when you're creating content, you're on the track, you're creating content. Does that not, does that not detract from your, cap your, your ability to enjoy being on the track if you're thinking about creating content whilst you're on the track? My content is completely unscripted. Never, ever, I've even sat down and thought, I'm going to go to the track, I'm going to go to the sign-in, I'm going to go to the noise testing, I'm going to go there, I'm... never. I just go there and see what's what and just spontaneously, I can talk. You know, mm -hmm. I've got, you know, I've got this gift of just talking. So uh, I can just, you know, record stuff willy-nilly, yeah. you know, whatever I see. Um, and honestly speaking, in terms of enjoyment, I have this on and off mode. I could be this really softy, emotional guy on the video. But then, you know, I mean, since my recent crashes, I'm a bit docile. But I could, you know, you, you, once a visor is down, you just forget everything. And you just, uh, I've, you know, I've been recording my onboard footage for the last three years. Never once I've looked at my GoPro to see if it's recording, if that red light is beeping. Okay. Never. Once I'm on the bike, I just yeah. forget. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. so it does. Sometimes I would like to. Recently, I did one track day, day one of Aprilia day, day two. Day one, I did not record anything on the track. I just wanted to you know, enjoy. Um, and uh, but I found out that even with a camera or without a camera, you know, no I difference. can enjoy. No I can, yeah, no difference. I can you see. I think I think that. Um... So when I, when I go, I don't do any track stuff. Okay. I've, I've been on the track. I've been on the track at Knock Hill um, once. And that was 19 oat cake on a 748 Ducati that I had. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I, the tracks are just so far away from me. So, you know, yeah. in the summer months, I'm out on the west west coast of Scotland. Yeah. I've, I know I know some really really fantastic roads that are rarely um, rarely trodden by um, masses of tourists. So, to all intents purposes, that is my track. Um, yeah. No. Fair enough. And to be honest, you probably don't have that many busy roads to like my country road route to Wales from Wolverhampton to Wales, you know, Crossgates or I don't know, I've forgotten the names, Lake Bala or something, you know, it, it'll be full of cars and, yeah. you know, yeah. just, you have to leave at six in the morning or five thirty in the morning to get some. So um, I, don't, I don't have that. I exactly. don't have that. And, yeah. and, and I can, uh, but, but the thing is when I put on, so if I, if I just take the bike into town um, I'll probably just put on a pair of Kevlar jeans, my just a just a sort of classic um, uh, motorcycle jacket, helmet, gloves, boots, right? Yeah. And I'm just going into town. It's a, it's yeah. it's transactional, you know. 
soon as I get my one piece leathers on, I I'm just I turn into someone someone completely yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you've got a really fast Ducati. Is it eleven nine nine? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, if you, it's a streamlined, lovely, super fast superbike. You know, yeah. and full leathers on that. You know, you can't. I I can't. When I had the Aprilia on road, I was just a different person, and that that's why I started track days and then completely stopped road riding because yeah, you, you know you you do silly things sometimes on on the roads which um, which you think you know what and honestly it's the best decision ever. Yeah, yeah I, I I will go back to roads uh, next year because I bought some old school bikes, but um, but uh, honestly. Uh, going to tracks i've had crashes where the ambulance has been with me or the paramedics within 20 30 seconds you know marshals are good as gold yeah yeah so so that was that was um one of my questions as well of course abby um you know you you don't from a previous conversation that you and i had uh i was quite surprised to learn that you don't actually ride much on the road if at all nowadays no, nope. no, it's it's just because I I, I just go too fast. <laughs> it just, oh. I just you know the sense of uh, yeah. I just I just think I just have uh, that's why I I thought you know what let's start with some retro bikes with no AVS, no traction control. Yeah, you have to blip the throttle yourself. You know, it's, and just oh. and and. By appreciating classics, so you know if you crash, the parts yeah. are going to be hard to get. Yeah. So that's kind of now I've got, and it's kind of calmed me down. But I think now, once you go on the track so much, and once you've done a bit of racing, you tend to calm down on the roads anyways, because you've done a lot of that, and you know you can do all that yeah. um, anytime you want. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, so. I, I, I generally just go out on my own as well. Um, yeah. You know, so that I don't have anyone behind me trying to uh, match my pace and yeah. I'm not trying to match anybody else's pace. I just go at my own yeah. pace and do my own thing. And I find that really tough. I can't ride on my own. I just, I just need, no, I, I'm like, I go and I'm, where am I going to go now on my own? What am I going to do on my own? Oh, you don't need, you're overthinking it already, Abby. I, I mean, I, I think I do. That's yeah. why I, I kind of like, I, I need someone. Uh, and I, I, if my friends are watching, they'll probably know I was always, you know, like right behind the, the main navigator and we had four or five bikes. And I'm yeah. always, and he was on a Hayabusa, a good friend, Ranbir. And I was always behind him. And oh, that, that Hayabusa with the big yeah. rear tire used to chuck stones at me, yeah. you know, all yeah. the time. My road helmet is uh, is full of chips because of that and uh, and then i started i did one or two rides on my own and i just thought what am i going to do when i reach to that place you know yes. so i just um no I, and then i did a bit of classic bike riding with the distinguished gentleman ride oh yeah and i ride yeah. with some fantastic yeah. chaps i should say yeah uh, you know we are part of the distinguished gentleman ride group uh, and uh, I had an old Honda CX500 plastic maggots, they were called in the UK. I had a proper custom one, and that was a not very fast bike. But I would still try to, you know, lean quite a bit on that. And uh, but it, that kind of CX... slow riding oh, made oh, me enjoy riding a lot more. 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think that's a, that's my problem actually is that the Ducati is just too much of a hooligan, and yeah, it does not like to be ridden slow. It just yeah. doesn't. You it just does not reward you at all if yeah. you're just bumbling along on it. A, I, I agree because it needs to have that constant air. ram of air uh, coming in, which you can only get at just a little bit over sixty miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so your your um, Aprilia, you've got um, an RSV4 factory. Yeah, RSV4 factory, twenty fifteen. Um, and I, I like your your background quite a bit because not only you've got a Ducati and you've got a Ducati, and I like the Moto Guzzi because Aprilia is owned by Piaggio, and Piaggio also own Moto Guzzi, okay. so I I quite like that. So yeah, yeah I've got a 2015 uh, factory RSV4 RF. Uh, no, it's not. I think it's called an RSV4 RF. Uh, it's not really. I think they got rid of the factory name uh, in 2015, 2016, and I yeah. think they made 500 of them. Uh, limited edition uh, and I, I've got one of them and uh, honestly there's not much limited edition about it it was just a, a great marketing uh, kind of plow and, and it did well for them I think mm. and uh, yeah I everyone asks me why don't you upgrade to a 2021 2020 2022 bike or something and one thing I've realized from uh, racing and 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 taking part in track days fast groups all the time is it's just not about the horsepower. You know, you could have a 210, 220. I think my bike is 178 proper horsepower from the back wheel. Mm. But you could have a 210 horsepower bike as long as you you don't have the skill. The skill is everything. Yeah. You know, I've got carbon wheels. I've got all sorts of upgrades on that bike. Mm. But I've, you know, and it, it takes you a while to realize this sometimes, you know, and, and Racing, endurance racing has made me realize, especially with racing with British super stock riders, British superbike riders, even at mm -hmm. Silverson, we had, um, you know, some championship winners, uh, Isle of Man racers, Michael Rutter. We had, you know, we, I mean, the list is so long. Uh, and when these guys overtake you, or when even club racers overtake you, you know, uh, someone like uh, Rich Gibson, you Rich, know, he, yeah. he's, I think at Cadwell Park, he's, six to seven seconds quicker than me and he must be 40 kilos heavier than me you know i'm six uh yeah it's a big 72 kilos it's a big I'm 72 kilos yeah so if you think about that it's skill i yeah. think is yeah. everything so i keep my 2015 bike it's got manageable power 178 horsepower which is more than enough to really show what you're capable of um, I saw, I saw, a, 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 it's funny you should say that, I saw a video, I watched the video, I can't remember, I think it might have been on YouTube, and there's a lad in a, an SV650 mm. going around Brands Hatch, yeah, humbling all the bigger bikes. Absolutely. I mean, the, bike, the big bikes came, came flying past them on the street, but, yeah. you know, they were hard on the anchors going into some of those corners, and he was just, he just kept on going. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we had a, I did a, I once did a triple, triple header, uh, which was two Portugal Portomeo Algarve uh, track days uh, with a Hareth. Within a month, I did three euros. Honestly, nearly bankrupted me. It was costing that much money. I know, yeah, it's it was, it's a long story. I, I went to Portomeo. It rained for three and a half days out of four. Imagine you go to an amazing yeah. place in yeah. Portugal, yeah. away from the rain. 
and all you get is rain. Yeah. So three and a half days of rain. And then my bike had a bit of an issue. It would, I would have no power for half a second to a second uh, between certain revs. So a chap there uh, who was a, it was red line track days. And I think there was a chap with red line track days who lived in Portugal. He goes, leave the bike with me. I know an Aprilia specialist. I will take your bike to him. We'll get it sorted. Red line track days are coming again in two weeks time. Why don't you come back with them? I said, okay. So I left my bike with someone absolutely unknown, an unknown mechanic, all my kit, everything. And came back two weeks later, bike had the, still had the same problem, but it was manageable. I could manage it, but it, it was fine. Then Redline was going to Hareth. Someone had a huge crash at Portimao and they said, why don't you buy mine for half price? And I'm like, when is it? He goes, next week. I'm like, so I'm coming back to Spain next week? So he goes, <laughs> yeah. So I did two Portimaos and a Hareth um, in a month. But honestly, that made me from a, I don't know, a boy to a man. Oh, yeah. Three euros. Track time, yeah. tires and good yeah. suspension yeah. is everything. Yeah. You know, if, you know, we were talking about that guy, uh, the SV650 guy. Mm -hmm. So the reason I mentioned this, we had a Moto3 13, 14 year old rider with rings around us, you know, 10 seconds quicker than us. Whoa. They're, what, what, they're, they're 250s, aren't they? <laughs> I think he had an older one. Uh, it wasn't a two-stroke. It had the two exhaust pipes sticking from the back. I think he had an old Mahindra, um, which is the old in Indian company. They, I think they had a Moto Three bike, if I'm not wrong, yeah. uh, with with a bit of a bit of a KTM involvement. I might be wrong there, but anyways. But yeah, this kid was just, and even now with, with endurance racing, we see, you know, or or the CB500s and the SV650s talent is everything forget about yeah. unsprung mass forget about all those videos i make mm -hmm. about you know how good are z04 pads compared to sbs pads yeah. metzler tds versus sc1 yeah. pirellis forget everything talent honestly yeah. track time tires brakes and suspension yeah. that's it these yeah. four things yeah. and coaching you know we we go on a track day presuming and believing we kind of know everything, you know, but unfortunately we don't, you know, we, oh, and we get into bad habits, which we never get rid of. And those bad habits uh, kind of um, multiply into worse things. So I think as soon as we should go on a track, we should start with coaching. I, I would agree. But I mean, I think that that same uh, principle stands for everything in life. Yeah. You know, doesn't matter whether it's photography or, or whether yeah. it's road riding that you're doing or track riding that you're doing. Yeah. I've got a, a almost an insatiable appetite to continue to improve for self-improvement when I'm yeah. on a motorcycle. So, pardon me, I, uh, you know, I some occasionally I'll go out with um, ex-traffic cops on their bikes and, you know, just, and, and you're always, always, always picking up something. You know, yeah. and so, so, so yeah, I think you know, in, invest in yourself is is always the, is always the right thing, isn't it? I, I think the problem human brain has is, but once we start to learn how to ride a bicycle, we then it's a concertina effect. I can ride a bicycle. I can ride a one two five cc bike. It's an I can entry. ride a one two. It's an yeah. entry drug. Yeah, exactly. I can ride a one two cc one two five cc. 
I can ride a 250cc. I can ride a 600. I'm pretty decent at a 600. I should be all right on a thousand. I'm pretty good around uh, around town in my thousand. I should be great on the track. I'm great on the track. I should be racing. I think, and all that happens sometimes without a single day of coaching. Or someone might take a a session or two of coaching at uh, at a at a uh, a track day. I mean, loan uh, someone like No Limits uh, offer free coaching. Uh, you know, on 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 track days, yeah, yeah, you, you can. I mean, not a full days of coaching, but you know, if you want a session or two or three, you want someone to go out with you, it's free coaching. So, um, so oh, wow. yeah, so everyone that. presumes that they are going to be fine until you hit the wall, until you get it, have a crash, and then you reverse mm-hmm. back and you think, you know what? And I've I've had that lately. I've mm-hmm. had two crashes this year racing in the endurance series and. I bought a suspension book. I bought a book about tires. I bought a book about um, uh, riding, how to effectively ride well from, uh, I think it's Andy Ibbett, who was the ex-California Superbike School. He was featured on BBC program called The Unemployable because he had a massive stroke and he was a great rider and suddenly he was basically unemployable in a way and uh, got massively inspired by these things. So I've kind of reversed back and bought these books to read over the winter to improve my skills. So that was um, Keith Code that set up Californian Superbike uh, yeah. Superbike School, yeah. I think it is. Absolutely. And uh, Keith, I've um, Keith's got, uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, he's written the Bible on. Yes. Um, uh, so a twist of the wrist. Yeah. is, is uh, one of Keith Code's books, and I think there's Twist of the Wrist too, <laughs> which yeah. Um, I might have it might have been twist of the wrist two that I've got, but I don't think that essentially one's just a a, a slightly updated version of the previous yeah. one. So, um, and you know that, that might have been when did I buy that book? Might uh, early mid mid yeah mid to late nineties I think I bought that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was recommended to me by a friend, and. I mean, it's not an it's not an exciting book to read because it's very technical. Right? I can understand, yeah. But what an amazing book to you know, because then you start you start going, well, that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. But I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it out on the road. Absolutely. And it just feels, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Just... Counter steering. Counter steering is a great example. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, you know, the, theoretically, it doesn't make sense. But when you try it, you just think, you know what? What? what this is just it comes naturally to me. You know, it's, I, it's just. I just wonder how many times uh, a, a little bit of counter steer has got me out of out of, of a, <laughs> out of a scrape. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can completely Absolutely. imagine. And yeah. you try and explain counter steering to someone who's just perhaps uh, starting their yeah. life on motorcycles, and they just go. No, that's, yeah. that just doesn't sound doesn't like at all. Sense. So yeah, there's so much to gain out there, read out there, you know, to, I think this journey of self-learning, everyone needs to go through that before they start really getting into track days and, and, um, and racing. And, uh, you know, talking about Keith Code and, and California Superbike School, I, I, when I was at the, my last track day was the Aprilia day and I met an amazing chap called Jet or John Trotter, if I'm not wrong, if I've got that name right. And he was with Andy Ibbett 
in California Superbike School training people. And he left the school now, he does his own thing. But I, I just came back um, after a huge crash at Anglesey Circuit, a huge high side, went head on, um, you know, and that's the crashed AGV Pista there under the covers, yeah. you know, huge crash. And it just shook me um, a little. So I think a cog in the brain kind of has slowed down. And I was, I normally do a one minute 41 at Cadwell Park. One minute forty-two, and I was doing one forty-eight, one forty-nine, and mm. John Jet, I should say, took me around, and I did a one minute forty-four straight away in three laps. You know, yeah. and all he was doing was pointing, get the bike here, get the bike here, get the bike here, and he would do this. Yeah. You know, give it beans. Exactly, and and yeah. just sometimes, and I was, and one forty-four is something I would, I, I had done on my first attempt at Cadwell Park, you know, so it's not an amazing lap time, you know, but it got me the confidence back a little bit, which I lost after the high side. And I've had three, four crashes in the last six years, which is not bad, Uh, but uh, low sides are absolutely fine. When you're sliding lovely into the gravel, you know, and I've had a low side at the farm corner at Silverstone on a cold day, I think 90 something miles an hour and I'm sliding for ages and there's no gravel because the new formula one circuits have got less gravel and more runoff area. So you can actually break. So I was sliding for a long time. Yeah. And, um, and just crashes like that just didn't bother me at all. The low sides, but when you have a high side and you actually go flying and then you land on the, I was lucky. Unlike rich, who had a minor crash and broke his collarbone, I think. Yeah. I had a huge high side and came up absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with me. A few bruises on the ribs. Um, you know, just, just bruising. Nothing well, major at all. That's probably down to luck more than anything else, I think. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Uh, because... I think I fell like this. I fell like head on. So first thing which hit the ground was my head. And that AGV piece has saved my life. Yeah. And then I hit my forearm because there was a big bruise here and it was swollen. And then I think that hit my ribs because my ribs were hurting for about two weeks, pelvis, hips, everything hurt, knees, Mm. but you get used to these kind of pains. It's it's okay after a crash, but nothing major. Well, high side and, and, you know, in contrast to low side, high side, obviously you're, you're chucked up. Catapulted, yeah. Catapulted Catapulted up into the air. And you have no control, nothing. Look at look at some of the spectacular high sides that Mark Marquez has had recently. You know, just there's a BT documentary uh, released yesterday or day before on his Indonesian high side or something, and it's it's amazing to watch. Um, I don't know where it's on BT or something, but they've dissected his high sides, dissected uh, Mark Marquez's. Yeah, they they break know, it down into about three different parts, don't they? Something so they like that. You, they show you the whole thing and then they rewind. Where that was that might be on was it in Sky Sports or BT Sports? I think it's BT. BT Sports. The worst thing yeah. about high sides is they give you hope. <laughs> they give you hope. Okay, a low side. What on earth you, do you mean by that? Because the bike, you lose the bike. Yeah. But sometimes the bike collects itself, and that's your hope for a millisecond. Yeah. That, you know, because I remember, I remember my crash. Like the the team, the concussion team, the medical team was so surprised because yeah. I had a huge red mark here, and okay. they they thought you're done. We because if you have concussion, 
oh. in club racing, they will take your license away for a month, your racing license. Uh, quite right as well, I think. Yeah, quite yeah. right. And I thought to myself, there is no way I'm going to fail any of the concussion testing. So they made me smell a few things, which is the old Sid Watkins way. So Sid Watkins, the old Formula One uh, doctor, mm. uh, he used to make people smell coffee. If you could smell coffee rightly, uh, that means you have no concussion. Don't know how he came up with, but that was it. So I passed all the tests. Uh, but the funny thing was when you have a high side, or when I had the high side, they took my bike in the corner. I still have the key in my bike mm. and my key was locked lock, lock, lock tight. No, lock wired uh, yeah. into something else. And they, uh, the marshal told me, switch your bike off. And rather than turning my key off, I was changing the suspension preload nut. And at that point, the marshal told me, straight to the medical center mm. and when he told me that I, th I thought what have i done why is he like what's why is he so worried he was all right because i was walking i was fine and i was talking to them like what has he what have, what did i do mm. and then slowly slowly that memory came back but it only took a minute for it to come back then i realized why he's done that mm. and but yes yeah, slide you, you you have a slide and then the bike collects itself but when it collects you then it can catapult you yeah. and you don't really remember much. Uh, you know, I, all I remember is the bike getting collected and then I'm on my knees and my uh, palms. I don't remember flying, uh, right. but yeah. but I remember my crash very well. And I was and very, you, very you hit You hit your forehead as well, yeah? Yeah, I hit the side of the, uh, the side of, I was going to get my helmet, but I'm, I'm wearing pajamas underneath. But just, yeah, just... It, it's the side. And that's the same helmet you guys inspected that's the same helmet it is yes helmet yep. inspection company yeah here's a in... that's a great segue that is abby it, no no it, it, absolutely it's in the post <laughs> <laughs> no 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 honestly it is and i was talking i was speaking to a polish friend of mine Maciej, if you're watching and um at this afternoon and uh, we were talking about helmets because he he had a crash and he said helmet inspection company wasn't that famous at that time. And mm -hmm. he said, I took all the layers off my helmet. My helmet looked brand new because I just had a slight graze. And yeah. when he started taking off every single layer, there was a massive head hairline crack on the inside of yeah. the uh, shell, yeah. not the outside. So oh. can you believe that? I mean, well, um, that, that helmet. That doesn't surprise me at all, Abby, because yeah. I think people... Uh, generally don't understand how composite materials fail and how they're yeah. designed to fail. So they're designed to, you know, take an impact yeah. and th that compression, it's, it's, uh, I, I quite often uh, liken it to taking a branch and yeah. pulling it uh, across your knee, right? Yeah. The force is on the knee side of the branch, but it fails on the other side. It starts to snap on the other side of the I knee, understand. right? And that's exactly what a, the composites do on a helmet yeah. as well. So, you know, when people say, oh, there's no mark on the outside, but um, yeah. maybe there's something in it. Well, that's just exactly what happens. And then they're exactly. designed to dissipate that shock across yeah. across the helmet. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. If, you, if you guys hadn't scanned the helmet, then I got a, a new one, crashed in it, saved my life, really. I would say that, you know, just mm. really say, saved my life because I had no concussion, nothing. And then I bought another say, I mean, loads of people recommended to me this helmet, that helmet. I think when you crash in one and it saves your bacon, 
you then buy the same. So I bought another ATP Pista GP double R or something. So um, honestly, it's just yeah, high sides. Coming back to high sides, they they change you <laughs> a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I obviously I haven't done any track stuff. Um, yeah. and Touchwood haven't come off on the road. Not that I can remember anyway. But um, used to do yeah. schoolboy motocross. Um, when when we were kids, and um, I remember, I remember. Uh, so we used to have the uh, kidney belts, right? Oh, right. So they're just the big, they're just just um, elastic belts with um, uh, like collars, you know, the, yeah. the the metal strands on them, and you used to have to take them around like a like a corset, I guess, for want of a better way of describing it. And so we used to wear these kidney belts. Um, I mean, the the uh, PPE that you had back then was was pretty shocking, I have to say. But um, you know, we had shoulder guards and elbow guards and gloves yeah. and boots and so on. And um, I remember I got the red mist one day when I was when I was uh, competing, and. Uh, I don't know. My brother had my brother had wound me up a little bit, and because um, uh, he was always he was always a good bit better than me, and he always had the better bike than me as well, you know. Yeah. So um, not not that it was his bike, not that it was the bike. He just had uh, raw talent. Um, so I got the red mist one day and uh, decided that um, nothing was going to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> well. Apparently, uh, there was something that was there that was going to stop me, and that was a tree. <laughs> so went, Goodness I, me, I, I a went, tree. Yeah, I went absolutely. I don't know what happened. Everything, everything just, you know, you, you, it's difficult to recall what happens when you, but I hit a tree basically. And um, I was lying on the ground and I was winded. And I had this, and I had this kidney belt on, and I was going, going to get this bloody kidney belt off, you know. And and uh, there's a couple of spectators there, and they're saying, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" <laughs> oh goodness me! Yeah. You know, saying that when I when I had the high side, I did have a huge blue mark around my kidney area. So uh, I think you do uh, when you crash, you do hit that part. Um, quite a bit and i've had that blue mark on on two of my crashes actually so um yeah what, what's your what's your um recovery period like for something like well yeah i am a massive um i take a lot of supplements as in vitamins and stuff and i i say that because i want to add the turmeric part because mm. turmeric or if you if you love indian food it's it's in every single 99% of the Indian food, you will yeah. have turmeric in it. Yeah. Turmeric is a great antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. Um, it's got loads of uh, antibiotic properties and stuff like that. And I really? take turmeric every single day. And when I had the crash, turmeric is great with internal injuries. They give them to horses okay. after a polo match, mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, they, they could have um, injuries from the, what do you call it? I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. So the horses can have that. So they give them after every. Um, I have a, someone. I, I know someone who who plays polo. So it is just a great. So I I regularly intake that. Mm. That I think that really helps me with 
uh, I, I, I'm talking as if I have a crash every week, but no, that is that is a great uh, recovery thing. I think in that that crash has stayed with me for a bit because we were doing really well that day. The track temperature was 58 degrees. Tires were literally melting. We, I was on the wrong rubber on the wrong day. I was on a SC3 slick Pirelli, um, whereas I had we had uh, Gary Johnson, the Isle of Man winner, yeah. in our garage. In yeah. the next team yeah and he had, he had the softest rubber and i thought to myself it's really hot, hot out there he's got the softest rubber you think that on a hot day and this mm. is pirelli you know this is on a really hot day you would use a harder compound because it will wear slower yeah but it's the opposite with pirelli um it's uh that's what i found out from talking to a lot of people who know what they're talking about um it was just the wrong tire on the wrong day. I did a 68-minute stint, so non-stop riding for 68 minutes at race pace, doing decent lap times. It was Anglesey Coastal Circuit, and I think I was doing 1-minute 15s, 1-minute 14, 1-minute 16s. Great. You know, came back after 68 minutes. Mate goes out. He crashes on the first lap. Another guy goes out in the team. He Four comes times. back after... 32, 33 minutes. His head wasn't right that day. He was. He had a few issues going on. I go out again, and my, I think I have a red mist because I wear an orange vest as a newcomer in the racing. I have to overtake every single orange vest. Mm -hmm. That is my minimum prerogative. That's your, that's, uh, you your ben, that's your benchmark. Yeah. 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 So I had overtaken every single orange vest except. So we went from 31st out of 34 riders to 19th. Okay. You know, and we were running fourth in our own class, okay. which was amazing for us. Um, and then we crashed. You know, that crash. I mean, one guy crashed, then I crashed. And that, it hurts me. That crash really hurts me for that day because I, sh I shouldn't say this, because there were 48 crashes that day. 48? Yeah, because of the t track temperature and the wrong tires people had high sides, low sides on that peel corner and corkscrew at Anglesey. Uh, altogether, 48 crashes in different series. We could have come home with really good points that day. And and uh, so that, that crash stays with me even today. I think about it every day. It's, it's you know, it's just a learning curve, isn't it? You, you, yeah. Now you yeah. know. Now you know. Yeah. And I went a bit slower after that. And I promised my team, uh, rodeo racing team, you know, if you guys are watching, um, the team is dismantled now because they're doing different things. But yeah, I told my team, look, I'm slower now since my crash, but I will give you minimum one hour, 10 minute stints. And that will save us a pit stop. And mm -hmm. that's what I did for the next three races. I was slower by a, by four seconds per lap, you know, Donington Cadwell. But mm -hmm. I gave, I, and I think um, uh, No Limits Racing uh, recognized me for doing the longest stint of one hour, 15 minutes on a factory tank, not an endurance tank, nonstop riding at Cadwell Park for one hour, 15 minutes. And that was a very, very important stint because it was a three hour race. Mm. My call, uh, my teammate who started did 45 minutes. Mm. He came back in. I did one hour, 15 minutes. That makes two hours. And then the last guy in the team, he did exactly 60 minutes and the fuel light came on and then the checkered flag. Right. So basically, if I had stayed, like if I had done a one minute, 10 sec, one hour, 10 minute stint or one hour, 12 minute stint, that extra three minutes 
would have cost us another pit stop. Yeah. You know, so sometimes these yeah. things matter in endurance so, racing. So, so why why endurance racing? I mean, that's um, it's not it's not something that I've um, I've come across that. It's brilliant. It is if you are a bunch of friends. I mean, I was never friends with my. I didn't even know my race team. Uh, ever. <laughs> they spotted me on YouTube. They said they called me one day. They said, "Would you like to race with us?" And I said, "No." Uh, you know, and uh, they said we'd like to name the team Chasing Tents Racing. Um, I said no. <laughs> I said no. I said I've never thought about racing, and I think it's very expensive, and it is bloody expensive. Yeah. And um, I said I just said no. And then I think they got two of my friends involved in racing, who I do track date with, Ben Valley and Gogo. If you're watching. And uh, they called me and they said, oh, you should do this. You know, we are five people, but only three people will race at one point. You don't have to do all the races. So yeah. they got me in. So, um, you know, Jamie and Jimmy, who started this team, Rodeo, Team Rodeo Racing, massive shout out. We finished fifth in the championship in the year, yeah. uh, first attempt as a new team. So, yeah, I think, you know, going back to the proper question, which is why endurance racing? Yeah. It was just, I just got approached by someone and I had filmed. So someone spotted me on YouTube in 2020 during COVID from Germany, a team owner uh, of a racing team called Viva Endurance. Yeah. Uh, they run Aprilias. They love Aprilias, you know, do and die Aprilia. And the guy said, you have that access because I was born in India and everything. We'll come to that in a bit. Yeah. And he goes, we can, we as Germans can understand you very well because you don't speak British and you don't speak Indian. You're somewhere in the middle. So I would like you to come over and I will pay for everything and just film our six hours endurance race of, uh, um, not Nordschleife, uh, um, Nürburgring. Yeah. yeah. So this gentleman lives in hill, hilly area, Bavaria. You know, I go to his house. He he pays for the flight. He pays for the food. He pays. I'm living in his house. He has Aprilias around his dining table. Aprilia 250cc. Oh, uh, RS, the RS 250s. Yeah. yeah, yeah, RS 250ccs. Mm. He's got Aprilias in the garage. Amazing guy. You know, uh, you know, he's got a good job, and and you know, and he pays for the racing team. And all I had to do was record their German proper German endurance championship. I think it's called ILC or IDC, something like that. And I, I, I watched the endurance race running towards the bike, starting the bike. Uh, and I'm a bit of an old school guy anyways. I, I love the old running towards the bike and starting it, the MP yeah. Augusta days, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. you know, uh, the Giacomo <clears throat> Augustini days. Augustini. And, you know, John Surtees is my hero. I love John Surtees, you know, and uh, we got Mike Hailwood and, and um, who was the uh, Yamaha guy, Phil, Phil Hill, so, someone who died lately, the same day he died when Chris Rouse, Chrissy Rouse, you know, RIP is a great guy. Anyways, so yeah, that German trip and recording the six hours of endurance racing of Nürburgring, mm. I had a taste of what endurance racing is like, even as a vlogger. And I vlogged it, yeah. you know, I put it on YouTube. And when the call came, I thought, you know, endurance racing is, is like a fast track day in a way. And mm. the cost is shared between you guys. So I think if you are a team of three people and doing a three-hour race, mm. uh, it's very similar to a cost of a track day these days. I so, would what's, say. so what's the, what's the, once you're on the track, yeah. right, and you, 
you've you've got the red mist on and uh or not perhaps um what's the toughest challenge that you've got when you're on the track um i don't say endurance (laughs) no no i wouldn't because the toughest challenge is when the really really fast guys overtake you and this is this is personal opinion And when I say really fast guys, I mean Isle of Man racers. I mean uh, British uh, Superbike uh, winners. Uh, yeah. I mean British Superstock guys. You know, <laughs> when these guys overtake you, mm. you can you can be shaken and stirred. Oh you yeah, know, like like a James Bond drink. Yeah. You, 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 it, it's and sometimes they overtake you respectfully because yeah. they give you that respect because they know you're not a novice uh, track day rider and you're not yeah. going to move and yeah. you're going to stay in your line. But they overtake you closely. And in the beginning, that kind of um, shook me a little like, wow. You know, yeah. I was like, wow. And they leave a black line as they go by. And you, oh, I remember Cadwell Park, you know, the back straight, which goes up the hill. I think it was the FS3 Kawasaki team and some fast rider from that team. And I think they won the championship this year as well, if I'm not wrong, uh, Endurance Championship. And Oh, so the, so the you know, the, those teams are competing in Endurance as well. FS3. Oh yeah, yeah. FS, FS3 team uh, have got obviously the British super bike riders, but they also yeah. have an endurance team, oh, uh, which is okay. separate guys. Yeah, right. I didn't know that. And uh, yeah, they're not they're not young young guys. They are in fifties, uh, <clears throat> in their late forties, and, that is and young, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Fair enough. <laughs> that's all right. And so uh, so yeah, the, I mean, when I say young young, as in the typical <laughs> no, races you see on telly. So um, and yeah, I. The guy overtook me and he left a black line. And I oh. think when he blipped, when he used the auto blipper, but hurry, quick shifter, hmm. probably half a feet of black line was missing because the tire stopped sliding. And then black lines again. Then he changed gear again. And then another, I could see that while riding. And I'm, that's the first time I've ever seen a quick, um, not quick action throttle, the, um, the gear changes without the clutch. Oh my God, my the mind. Blipper. The, the, the blipper. Shifter. Quick, quick, quick shifter. shifter work. <clears throat> work on track. Like it can, <clears throat> like, like, I think when seamless gearboxes come, that won't be the case. It would be a, <clears throat> a single black line. <clears throat> but when I saw that, I'm like, I can't do that. <clears throat> I just can't do that. I need a lot more coaching um, and stuff. And and this is what I was saying to you earlier. I've gone back a little. Um, <clears throat> I think I'll probably buy a lower power bike, a, a pit bike. More coaching. Hey, you know, I so yeah. I I I was I I had a hiatus from uh, motorcycles, road motorcycles for 15, 16 years, and um, I decided that I was going to get back into bikes again, and uh, but I didn't want to. I I knew I didn't trust myself. Okay, so yeah, I went I went and bought a CBR six fifty, and it ju- I just had such great fun on that bike. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Really good pal of mine. Uh, he had one. He had only just recently passed his test at that point in time. He had the CBR 650. I had a shot of it, and I thought, I actually like this little bike, you know. So I went and bought one. Yeah. Two of us were kicking around like um, two gay CBR 650 riders. And, uh, Amazing. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and actually, uh, my pal Dave, he... He's had all sorts of other bikes since then. You know, he's had the yeah. 1050 Speed Triple. He's had the, wow, he's, like he's, that. He's got a, a an S1000 XR at the moment. He's got a, a 
Speed Twin, the yeah. Triumph Speed Twin. Uh, he's had a, a the Thruxton R, uh, you know, and Love he it. just says, he just says, I just, you know what? Some of the best times I've had on a bike have been on that CBR six fifty. This all comes down to manageable power. It all comes down to manageable power. You know, and a, a bike which moves around nicely, like a 650 SV650 you were, you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, V-twin engine, mm -hmm. like your bike, V-twin engine, slim bike, moves yeah. really lovely. Mm. Manageable power. You mm. know, that's 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 the main thing. And I think I learned that from my humble beginnings in India. So I was born in India, had a... Um, I was going to I was going to ask you this as well. I mean, you know, I, I know from our previous conversations that you were yeah. born in India uh, yeah. and you later came across to the UK. Came to the UK. A lot of people don't know that on, on YouTube. Mm. Uh, you know, I think certain Indian people can make out from my accent, but certain uh, English people or British people or Scottish people mm. probably can't. But I, I was born in India and I had, I mean, in those days, this, I'm talking about 1996, I could have been 13, 12 years old. And I had a one to five CC, you know, and no one cares in India at that. In those days, no one checks your license, no helmet, nothing. So, you know, I started from the one to five CC, but it actually started from my dad's. The love of motorbikes came from my dad's Jawa, two fifty CC. I remember them. Jawa, were they Czechoslovakian? Czechoslovakian company, but in India they launched as a name called Yesdi. The gear lever and the kickstarter was the same thing. That's right. You could. So mm -hmm. gear, gear lever, you push it in and mm -hmm. comes back, it becomes a Kickstarter. Yeah. So the love of motorbikes. So when my, my dad wasn't home or something, I would take that bike and mm -hmm. try to start it. The only thing I never knew is turn, how to turn the fuel on. So I would start the bike. It would mm -hmm. I would go around the block twice and it would yeah, turn off. To run out of fuel, yeah. Yeah, and or the carburetor or the fuel... Um, a little fuel container thing it had a yeah, glass yeah. lovely glass thing my god what a beautiful bike on the carb and above the carb it had a fuel on off bottle okay which was made of glass yeah yeah it was a beautiful bottle uh you know and uh and it would run out of fuel yeah but i would never realize that i have to turn the fuel on you know so i would do two blocks and the bike would stop yeah. so all i would do every time is to I, I bet my my dad when he used to start the bike thinking yeah oh, that's what I was going to say he's probably having to kick this thing like exactly. mad you know, to get it going so it started from that I came to England in 1998 for three months and I went back to India and when I went back uh, my parents bought me a two-stroke scooter you know like you know a Honda two-stroke scooter in India it was called a kinetic Honda Marvel. Uh, so in India, when you have companies, they are always in 90s and 80s. They were always merged with British. So we had, you had British Leyland, yeah. we had Ashok Leyland, you had Honda in Japan, we had Kinetic Honda. Okay. You had, I don't know, this the British connection is so amazing. Like the biscuits we ate, the best biscuits were called Britannia biscuits. Right. The 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 window cleaner was called Colin Britannia. You know and. Uh, it's so many British connections. Uh, Royal Enfield, obviously, one oh, of yeah, them, and, yeah, and yeah. BSA, and we had yeah. plenty of BSA, BSA bicycles, mm -hmm. still very popular in India when I was a kid. So yeah, I came, I came to the UK in 2003 uh, when I was 18 and a half years old, and I came here mm -hmm. to do a, a degree in criminal justice and policing. Uh, I wanted to be a detective with the MI5. You know, I 
just had that dream. I I, wow. I passed the degree. I passed the degree with honors, honors, and uh, then I did my MBA uh, post graduation. Yeah. But in India, I was writing. So I had a one two. I had I had this two stroke stroke scooter wait, wait, when wait, I was wait, wait. early you've teenager. Got a, you've got an MBA as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, when you are, my mom's got four master's degrees, and I'm the elder son. Right. And when you are an Indian family, yeah, you know, you need minimum one master's degree okay. to just say to your mom, you know, all right, I did something, <laughs> you know. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and so, yeah, so yeah, MBA, uh, criminal justice degree. But in India, I had the the two stroke scooter. But then when I went to high school. Um, you know, there was a very popular bike in India called a, a Hero Honda 150cc CBZ or CBZ. And I really wanted that. My mom said, you're either going to have that bike yeah. or no computer, or you can have a really nice computer and have a 100cc bike, which was not as good looking. I went for that computer and the 100cc bike, but I still did a cafe racer thing on it low down bars, double yeah. exhaust and yeah. everything. Yeah. But then I came, that was 2001, 2002. And then I came to the UK in 2003 and I failed my driving test twice, thrice, uh, because I had bad habits from India. You know, okay, yeah. I was, I, you know, keep the hand on the gear stick. I failed because of that, you know, once right. I went into bus lane. So I bought a a bike called Biamo Renegade. A German company in Germany was importing these Chinese bikes and they were going bankrupt. So I bought this Chinese bike in 2003, uh, 2004 for 700 pounds. And I sold this bike for 1800 pounds after eight months of riding it, <laughs> you know? So uh, it was it was before Jin Lun's, before all these Chinese companies came along. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it was before, I had to register that bike myself with DVLA and stuff. And I had just come back. I had just come from India. I had to learn everything, I know how to do that. But that was my first because I failed thrice on my driving test. Yeah. I bought that bike, and it was a Chinese cruiser, like a Harley Davidson. Oh, you know, and, my goodness! And, you know, yeah. it's just. Uh, but you know, I was riding that in the snow. I was riding that everywhere, you know. And then I sold it within a year because it started to rust very quickly because mm -hmm. it was parked outside and it was Chinese. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was German because it came from Germany, but no, it was no. Chinese. But then I did not write for many, many years because I was busy studying and mm -hmm. just getting my British citizenship sorted mm -hmm. um, uh, and stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. the, I think I had this very old school Indian mentality in me that even though this country has adopted me, I had to give something back to this country. Okay. So I really wanted to be a policeman or a detective mm. um, and that's why I did that degree yeah and stuff but I finished my degree and master's in 2008 when the recession hit mm. and uh, unfortunately um, police were not hiring for the next six seven years so um, oh wow yeah. okay so I couldn't get into the police even though the con the chief constable I think it's Steelhouse Lane in Birmingham really liked me but he mm. said look we, we we're not recruiting at all recession came the big recession yeah in 2008 and uh i got a job in the bank then and I, i'm still in banking yeah so um that's again you you meant you mentioned this that you work in in the banking sector um it, it's it's quite uh it's not what i thought thought you'd be working in um yeah what did uh, you think i was working in I don't know, counting money or, you know. 
<laughs> oh no, I work in fraud. Well, it all started in a very humble way. So, sorry, here. does anybody actually ever count money? I don't know. No, <laughs> no, we're counting apps these days or something. You know, everything is on the apps. No, it all started with a very humble job. I came here. This guy who owned a pound shop gave me a job in a in a pound shop. But my first job was in a BP petrol station. Like, yeah. and yeah. you know, like when you know. In the Midlands, you go to a petrol station. Most of the guys are Indians. I was one of those guys in right. in Slough, Collinbrook, Slough. next to the Honda Slough. Collinbrook, there's a little area called Collinbrook next to the Spearman Rhino Strip Club, and I'll I'll get to that in a sec. <laughs> I'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. Here's an 18 and a half year old working in the petrol station in BP Collinbrook. I didn't even. I, I didn't even. I mean. No. <laughs> Why? Why would you think? Why would I think that there's going to be a spearmint rhinos in oh, Slough? It, it's important. <laughs> uh, there is one in Slough, and there's one in Collinbrook, uh, not far from the Honda headquarters. I remember that because the I went there when in, in 2010 in the V10 era. Anyways, uh, not is this a sign of your misspent youth? Yeah. So I was there at the petrol station. I only worked there for four months, uh, but next door to us was a strip yeah. club. Yeah. And in those days, you can't, you couldn't sell alcohol after ten o'clock in the night. And okay. the strippers in the strip club had to pay full price for the alcohol if they needed a drink. Yeah. And you know, and they wouldn't want to pay that much money. You know, or already they are paying a cut. You know, to the owner of the strip club. I'm intrigued dancing. about where this is going, Abby. Oh, I'm this, just this, this, is, come this on. is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they would all come. So I had to lock the doors of the petrol station. One man band running yeah. the whole forecourt. Yeah. And the, uh, at ten o'clock, we would um, uh, lock the doors, mm. and these girls they will come in a group. So imagine five, mm. six stunning mm. women come to the the little cubby holy thing, saying, "I'm I'm struggling Thank to picture you. this one." Need alcohol big time. Please open the shutters of that alcohol. Oh, anything, and they would those poor girls. They they would lift their tops. They would they would literally. Well, they would, a like, bit we of would a flash. Anything. Yeah, no, bit of a flash. It's an understatement. They would really. They would just tell us what you want, like from the you know this thingy. Obviously, can't why is it, why are you still not working there, Abby? Uh, exactly, like... <laughs> exactly. They would they would be. And I was like, you know. Like, can't I can't open that thing? You know, there's cameras everywhere and all yeah. sorts. But so, they would be, it would be cold, and they would take their coat off, and they would. It was the, it was the most. The, the <laughs> I had just come to the country three months ago, and that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, so and that it's was just, it's just going downhill after then, hasn't it? Really. Yeah. The, the, uh, it is know, because from the, from that, the you know the guy who owned this pound shop opened me a, a huge pound shop in Birmingham. Which didn't do really well. So he opened me one in uh, Black Country, which did really well. But I always had the aspiration to learn. Mm. So I told him I can't work in this shop, you know, mm. anymore. I need to go evening school, evening college, mm. evening mm. university, or whatever. And, and there's, a, uh, there's a better job back at the BP garage as well. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I left that, and then I became mm. a TV license officer for BBC. Okay. I shouldn't say BBC. Because BBC used to have a, a middle company to do that, but TV license, you know, mm. and and so that was the best job ever, you know. I think as a twenty-one-year-old, I used to get two thousand pounds after tax, money for fuel. Mm. In in two thousand five, that was a lot of money. For so a, a TV licensing officer, right? Yeah, TV license officer. You didn't have TV license, you would see me on the door. Yeah, I I remember 
not an enforcement officer, the one who takes you to the court. Right. No, the yeah. polite guy who just comes to your door saying, hey, yeah. I think you don't have a TV license. Would you like to buy one for £2.50 a week? It was the best job. It was great. I, I remember I remember when I, I lived down in uh, Guildford for four years um, in my early 20s. And uh, there's a bunch of us living in this uh, in this house. And uh, the TV licensing officer came. And uh, I, I actually, what was happening was um, we'd just had a TV or we'd had Sky or something like that. I think it was Sky or something like that delivered. And uh, uh, there's a flat roof out the back of this, this apartment. And um, TV licensing officer came to the door. I answered the door. Uh, you know, we, we believe that you've um, that you've got a TV and uh, you don't have a license. And I'm going, no, we don't don't have any TVs here. Meanwhile, my my pal, one of my pals, is just chucking the sky but the sky the box for the sky dish off the back of the the, the back of the house. He didn't know yeah. that they, he didn't realise that they were the officers were at the door, and I was yeah, just yeah, like. Yeah. Right, okay. How much is it? <laughs> I know. I've had that. I've had I've knocked the door and the people are like open the door and like, ah, give us two minutes and you can come in. Because the thing is in those days, you know, the humble days of two thousand five, six and seven, yeah. uh, people wouldn't record you. Yeah. People yeah. would be polite. Yeah. People would be more trustworthy. Um, you know, and uh, and stuff. You've gone a bit out of focus. I don't know if it's oh, your I have. I have. There we go. There we We're go. back. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. okay. So yeah. yeah, in those days, I mean, I, I can't do that job today because someone will be recording you and put you on YouTube. Look, TV license man came to my door, mm. and I was the. I never. I did that job for three years, and in the evening, I used to work at the ambulance service nine 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 dispatcher, and I also used to do university at the same time. So um, it was just great times, crazy. Time. I can't do that now. Oh, so so um, you haven't done Abby. Oh. No, so it was daytime. It was uh, TV license. No, actually, not daytime. I used to do a funny shift. I deliberately used to work from three in the afternoon till eight, because that's the time people are home. Mm -hmm. And I was really polite on the door. I had never had a problem, but so many times I've had people open the door. Two minutes, mate. Close the door. Welcome in, mate. And then you would see a dust line yeah. of where the TV was. <laughs> no, because in those days. People didn't have LED TVs, no, LED, they were LCD. Huge they had boxes. the big ones. Yeah. yeah, and you could see the dust line, and you would touch the table. Yeah, and it would be warm. Yeah, you're like, mate, it's only two pound fifty. <laughs> it's only two pound fifty a week. I'll do it. You know, and I think the worst feeling I ever had, and I I did not even know this. It wasn't taught taught us in training. A blind person has to pay half a TV license. Did you know that? What? Yes. I went to a house in Redditch. I can take you there right now. I remember this so well. 2006, December, cold oh. Oh, December. You know, I knocked the door. This blind person opens the door. And I'm like, this must have been a, a mistake. But then I saw a history of licenses going back years. Yeah. Uh, and they were all half price. And I and immediately I called my boss. And I'm like, I've just knocked the door. The guy is blind. He goes, yeah, he pays half price. And I'm like, what? And then... The most sinking feeling I had is when he was he was so welcoming. He was like, oh, my God, I forgot to pay. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then he called his dog. The dog got the wallet and it took 68 pounds precisely out. And he <laughs> gave it to me in cash. And, you know, for him, it was absolutely fine. And I just 
took the money, filled in the form, gave him half a copy and blah, sat in my car for the rest of my shift and yeah. thought, why is a blind guy paying why? TV license? Why? Yeah, why? but yeah, but, but they have, because they can listen. Yeah, to, to yeah, 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 yeah. Do you need a license? To, presumably you don't need a license to listen to the, no, it's a t that's why it's called a TV license. I'm, I'm being TV dead. license, yeah, as far as I can remember, is very cleverly worded in the parliament bill, mm. if I can say that, mm. if, I, if that's the right British terminology. It's a license if you are broadcasting channels. It doesn't say BBC anywhere on the bill. Oh, really? Oh, as okay, far as I can okay. remember. So as long as you are broadcasting channels, yeah. you need a TV license. These days, obviously, you know, things are, people are more clever. People are like, I'm only watching Netflix and Prime and Amazon Prime. And, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and, and it's different. And to be honest, I was one of the most politest guys. If someone told me, come in, have a look, no Skybox, nothing. And in those mm. days, people didn't have Netflix and Prime mm. and stuff. Mm. And I yeah. used to say, yeah. you know what? Fine, you don't need one. So after yeah. from after that TV license job and the ambulance nine 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 job, which was amazing, and you know, and it wasn't really an ambulance nine 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 job. It was an emergency doctor dispatcher from an out of hours doctor. Okay. Yeah, not a clinic. It was like a mini hospital. It was like so. Yeah. I was dispatching out of hours district nurses and doctors. Right. Uh, you know, and we had one doctor in a Ferrari. What? Who would refuse to put the tracker in the car so he we wouldn't know where he is? You know, it was just the funniest a thing. Hang on yeah. a second. You've got a five nine nine five nine nine five nine nine five nine nine Ferrari. I know they did a GTO, but this was a normal five nine nine, a I, dark blue. I mean, you know, maybe a high Hyundai or something like that would be more appropriate for. So he well, was, we had so Ford focuses. We had Ford Focuses for the doctors, but he said, I don't want your Ford Focus. I'm going to come in my Ferrari and I'm going to go to patient houses in a Ferrari. Um, it's a little I bit distasteful, dis isn't it? Really? It's I think I personally think the reason he did that is um, because he probably did not want a tracker uh, in that in that car. Um, because with the tracker, we could see where he is, how long he's been sleeping overnight you know because it was an overnight job uh, it was friday night saturday night sunday night and mm. then monday i would do my normal job and go uni, uni um uh, as well um yeah so that was a very interesting job we had some interesting calls for doctor visits so yeah that was um that was an interesting phase of the tv license and the doctors out of our service then the recession came couldn't get into the police got into banking and banking is such a um a quicksand place where I went from personal banking to private banking to uh, commercial banking, business banking, commercial banking. And then now, now I do, a lot of people think is YouTube is what I do full time. And yeah. they don't realize it's just, yeah. it's just yeah. not possible, you know? And, um, and yeah. I, I'm, I'm now working as a fraud analyst, uh, deciphering fraud cryptocurrency. That, for me, you see, that sounds fascinating. Cryptocurrency fraud and, and a lot of different kinds of fraud. I mean, I saw dating fraud and all sorts. I, I get involved in, in all sorts. Dating fraud? No, yeah, it's like people pretending to be people from a, from a, uh, I hate to use the word 
third world country, but people from another country uh, pretending to be a doctor from a uh, a developed country uh, with a I'm a single parent, you know, and then they will get someone in the UK through a dating app and then they will ask for money and, you know, and, and all sorts. And we just have to safeguard a lot of people. And in banking, unfortunately, there is a lot of attempted fraud, huge amount of attempted fraud. And the cases I see every day and I every day is a different day. And I, I coming from a criminal wow. justice uh, and policing background in the education side of things, I find this investigating of facts quite uh, therapeutic. Yeah, I guess. So I guess that's, uh, that's uh, it. That's that's the career journey. I guess it would be um, uh, well, pretty satisfying, really, if you're helping people to, Absolutely. you know, if you're help, helping prevent fraud. I mean, but you know, I always think that I always think that these things are, you know, they're, they predate on people who are uh, less savvy, and but even. Even uh, over the last couple of years, I've seen people who are totally, totally savvy and yep. get caught out, you know. And uh, Vulnerability, loneliness. <clears throat> okay. Two very important words. Right, right. You know. But even people who aren't vulnerable yeah. and aren't lonely. Yeah. And, you panic. know, are just like... People panic and um, just yeah. just say yes to things and, and, and stuff like that. Any, you know, it's just... Yeah. But it's a very satisfying feeling to yeah. help someone stop yep. the payment. You know, I've stopped payments of thousands and thousands of pounds in time. Mm. And you think to yourself, mm. wow, mm. you know, on a note of pouring a beer, mm. I'm going to pour myself some uh, good old Scottish whiskey as well. That looks like oh. quite a, that looks like quite a lowland whiskey. It's quite a light. It's a very light. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know more about, I mean, oh, I've got a lovely eat coming from the wood burning stove in the background. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's just the perfect time to have yeah. a whiskey. And I'm not—I'm yeah. a, a brandy person, okay. and I don't drink—I okay. don't drink that often um, at all. But I—I I thought I'll open the Scottish one this time. Mm. This is, uh, yeah, it's—it's it's matured in bourbon barrels, okay. Ireland single malt, sovereign, Tully Bardine, baking whiskey since 1488. Yeah, it's not. It's not one. Cause I, I, very light. I was, very light. It is really light, actually. I, I, yeah. um, I was. I've been. I was brought up in Speyside, uh, which is, you know, Scotland's uh, heart of uh, whiskey, whiskey making. You know, um, so wow. Just you know, a, a lot. There's a huge concentration of distilleries in Speyside. Yeah, all along the River Spey. Is White and Mackay there as well? White and Mackay. White Mackay. White Mackay. Uh, they're they're a Glasgow. They're a uh, they're a blender, so they blend whiskey. Okay, because yeah. I remember watching Formula One, uh, and we had the Force India Formula One team owned yeah. by the boss of Kingfisher Airlines, uh, yeah. Vijay Malia. He owned White Mackay. Uh, White and Mackay. Okay. He bought that. I'm yeah. I'm 99% sure he bought White and Mackay, yeah. and then obviously Kingfisher Beer, Kingfisher Airlines. He was like the Richard Branson of India, and okay. that's how I know this this yeah. name. Yeah. Um, yeah. White so, and Mackay. So quite quite a lot of the um, quite a lot. There are quite a lot of distilleries that actually don't sell uh, direct to. They don't bottle whiskey direct, and they don't. Well, they won't. They won't uh, produce large bottlings. But what they'll do is they'll produce spirit. 
for the likes of White and Mackay and mm -hmm. Grouse and Dewars and all of these people just to make their blend. Yeah. Um, but then, and the, in contrast to that, you've also got the distilleries who, oh, well, you've got McAllen, which is probably one of the Glenlivet, um, all up, all exactly. up, in, uh, Glenfiddich, all up in that area. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> I think. I've so, got, yeah. Um, I've got uh, a chap lined up to come on as a guest. I don't know whether he'll be next or whether uh, he's going to be two guests down the, down the line, but. He's uh, he's a uh, he's a big biker. Is uh, is he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's prolific on Twitter, um, and him and his mate put together motorcycle-related whiskey tours throughout Scotland. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is so very a, interesting. There's a niche for you now, isn't it? That is amazing. Yeah, that is pretty pretty good. Yeah. So uh, I've got Gary yeah. Gary coming on uh, fairly soon as well. Everything's just been thrown up in the air recently, yeah. but um, yeah. So I'm just trying to get things back on track again. So yeah. let's talk about bikes because it's yep. you know it's bikes, beers, and banter. <laughs> exactly, it's turning into everything else except <laughs> the beer and uh, as it should as yeah. it should, Abby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, tell us. I mean, you you mentioned uh, Jawa there. Earlier yeah. on, I yeah. I, re I recognised the Java. There was there was another there was another brand. MZ, CZ, M CZ or MZ, CZ is CZ is, is I think that you see that on the number plate of Czechoslovakian or or something. Uh, or, uh, I MZ, mean, I do remember MZ as well. MZ, MZ yeah. bikes. Uh, and Munich, you know, a bike which I, I'm into my old school bikes. I love this whole old school British biking distinguished gentleman thing. You know, I love that. There was a bike called Munich. If I'm not wrong, four cylinder, 1200 CC, the big one, ugly looking thing, but mm. is, it is like a, the first grand tourer before the Honda, uh, um, Goldwing and stuff. Here, it was here's, just a here's one, here's one for you. Hesketh. Hesketh. Yeah. Was it anything to do with Lord Hesketh, the yes. guy uh, of uh, yeah. James, uh, James the F uh, Formula One race team? James yeah. Blunt. James, 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 Blunt. Hunt. James, James Hunt. James Hunt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that guy. You know, Lord, uh, Lord Hesketh, he did things differently. Well, I've got a photograph of uh, me with Lord Hesketh in the background. Yeah. Um, my parents had motorcycle shops up in the northeast of Scotland. Yeah. And dad had dealership for Hesketh and Lord uh, Hesketh came up to the one of the bike shops to launch the Hesketh motorcycle uh, wow. in the 80s and that's amazing and uh I'll 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 flash up a a, a picture of the actual Hesketh that my yeah. dad my dad dad pardon me dad kept one behind for himself and he only over the last couple of years uh, sold it to a local motorcycle dealer with 250 miles on the clock. <laughs> and this was the same Hesketh family? Yeah. Behind? Yeah. Um, it was Lord Hesketh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was they, behind they the... Getting... 
they were getting their hands into uh, a few motorsport uh, things. This is very interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm always looking into old. The good thing is I live in the black country. Okay, there's a company called Bean Car Company. Ever heard of it? No. It was it was made three miles from my house. James Bikes, uh, Sunbeam, which is a great oh, name. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, which is Wolverhampton, and mm. you know, it's. I just, I love living in the black country. When I was in India, we were taught about the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, that's where it and started. I, wasn't it? That's, I live yeah. here. Yeah. You know, James Watt lives uh, his house uh, around Soho, not far from uh, me. You know, and uh, uh, the other guy, James Brindley, who designed the whole canal system around mm. Birmingham. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. and Matthew Bolton. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm a big fan of all, all these old guys. I, I'm a proper geek when it comes to uh, old school stuff. So yeah, even with bikes, and that's how, you know, the we we were talking about bikes. So. The first bike was, it wasn't my bike, it was dad's Jawa. But then, then I got this two-stroke Honda scooter. Then I had my own 100cc Hero. It was called Hero Honda Passion. It was a very common bike in India. Yeah. Fuel economy of 1,000 miles per gallon, probably. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I came to this country. I bought that Biamo Renegade, the 125cc cruiser. Okay. You know, a bit of a Jinlun-style Chinese cruiser. And then nothing. Uh, since 2004, nothing until 2014. Uh, okay. Then I bought a Suzuki GXSR 600 after passing my big test. Okay. Uh, in 2013 uh, November, but I didn't ride it until the weather got better, which was March 2014. Yeah. yeah. So that was the bike I started riding on the road with, and my first mm. right turn ever on that bike was nearly a crash because I was just, you know, just. Just, just Selena, you know, my first right, my first turn on that bike was nearly a crash because you have no idea about body positioning. You are too fast for the for the turn, and yeah. you know the tires on that bike. I think it was a 2007 bike. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, uh, 2000. The tires, it, it still had the same tires when, and the bike had only done 800 miles. Yeah. I think the previous owner didn't. He was a, working in a Scottish, oh, Scottish uh, um, oil field. Okay, uh, oil, offshore, not offshore. field, offshore oil on a, on a platform. Yeah, yeah. Well, so like... I'm a bit of a geek. I found out. I I searched the old owner, mm. and I wanted to find out why has it only done 800 miles in 2007 till 2000. 13 when I bought the bike and I bought the bike from webuyanybike.com okay. you know yeah. uh, from up north somewhere and he got in touch with me and he gave me the reasons and uh, you know I found a Winnie the Pooh in the in the uh, rear seat cowl of the bike and he said oh he's my mascot and I said do you want it back he goes no no it's a lucky mascot keep it you know it'll keep you safe and um, yeah so that was well, that it didn't that. keep and you then, safe, did it? <laughs> first, well. In racing. Well, first, yeah, first one, oh, nearly crashed. <laughs> no, no, didn't know nothing, honestly. And and I was a guy who liked to keep things standard, you know, standard yeah. exhaust, standard number plate, big number plate, yeah. no tail tidy, nothing. Okay. I, You know, once I bought a Yoshimura full system, uh -huh. changed my life. I'm Yoshi. like, wow. A Yoshi. You know Upgrades. Yeah. These are great. Yeah. Tail tidy. Yeah. Yoshimura bar ends. Yeah. Yoshimura levers. It's a gift Yoshimura that keeps on giving, isn't it? You know. I converted that Suzuki GXSR 600 K7 2007 yeah. into a Yoshimura specialist uh -huh. kind of limited edition, my own limited edition. Yeah. Anything Yoshimura did, 
Yeah. You know, I they did an American number plates around. American oh, size. Okay. I even bought that and cut right. a British plate to fit in the American number plate style. I even did that. So yeah, that was the the proper fast C bike. And my my first track day was a three minutes two seconds at Silverstone on that bike. Three minutes two seconds, my first track day. I don't know what bike. I don't know what the what a normal Silverson right uh... Auto GP, one minute fifty-eight seconds. And my okay. now lap time on the Aprilia. I've not done. I've not done Silverstone now for uh, two years, but two minute, two minute twenty five. I am now, okay. so fifth to thirty five seconds quicker than my first. So were you uh, were you pushing that GSXR around? No, no, no. The GSXR was only. I think I did a two minute fifty five, and then I sold the bike. I then bought the Aprilia. You know yeah. when all your friends bought a th- bought a thousand cc. Yeah, you get the peer pressure to buy the thousand cc. You know, I wish yeah. I could reverse time back and still hone my skills on that six hundred. Yeah, but in inside my heart, no matter I've got the Aprilia, the Suzuki, I still was a bit old school guy. I needed something retro in my life, mm. and this distinguished gentleman ride came along, mm-hmm. which was tweed suits. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. tashes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and everything, and charity. Bit of, bit of uh, mustache wax going on there. And... <laughs> Exactly, and a bit of a, a bit of a, a throw to. Um, I'm gonna pause here because I'm getting a call from someone I don't know. One minute. When I get an unknown number, I never pick up. But when I get a number on the screen, I think it's it's an emergency. Uh, okay. Anyways, so the Aprilia RSV4 RF. Um, even before, I mean, th- this these modern things are separate. But I still had an old school heart in in me, so I bought. Mm. I saw this amazing um, CB5, uh, not CB500, what are they called? Plastic Maggots, Honda CX500. CX. A poor a poor man's Moto Guzzi, the one in your background. Same yeah. V-twin mm-hmm. configuration, mm-hmm. this way, not yeah. that way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was already converted into a custom, a Kingston custom style. Uh, and we can put a picture on, of that uh, uh, on, on there. A Kingston custom, a custom style bike a beautiful bike and i rode that bike for a bit but it didn't give me the thumpiness i wanted i wanted a bike which gives me big thumps that mean a big thumpy engine like your you know yeah. two big dulux yeah. you know like piston the dulux can pistons like yeah, a v yeah. 1199 yeah. i wanted a thumpy harley style thing yeah. which which that bike didn't give i so put it, it on shakes the pavement Exactly. I yeah. bought that bike for twenty seven hundred. I put it on eBay for thirty five hundred. Just a like a you know figure. Some some guy pressed buy it now. He didn't even call me. He really? did not message me. He just bought it. And I just suddenly saw someone's bought the bike for three and a half thousand. And I said, "Are you serious or joking?" He yeah. goes, "If the bike looks the way it looks, I'm happy. To, I'm an old, I'm an ex constable and blah blah blah. I'm happy to buy this bike." And he didn't even see the bike. He sent someone over who took the bike away, and I got three and a half thousand pounds for it. So that was the bike, and I, I I did a and you know the beauty and and you know big shout out to Rich uh, Gibson here who does a lot for mental health. Yeah. You know I, I we raised a lot of money with that bike for Movember uh, uh, Foundation, mm-hmm. prostate cancer, mm-hmm. uh, and male suicide prevention. Uh, you know, this was, I mean, these are the days, 2016, 2017 are the days before the whole, you know, people were less offended by 
charities based male only uh, you know yeah. this was yeah. a male only charity you know yeah. so we we raised a lot of money for that and uh, it was great and so i sold that bike because of that ebay thing and then i bought i always wanted a triple the sound of a triple resonates with me so it's because trying for something coming in exactly the because next a, and... a sound of a triple is very similar to a sound of a straight six and a sound of a straight six is very similar the bang the bang of the engine uh, mm. the, the pistons and the engine yeah. and everything yeah. is very similar to a v12 and i'm an old school formula one early right. 90s okay Senna, yeah yeah you yeah. know prost. mansell frost <laughs> v12 yeah. you know and stuff and so mm. triple was the best thing so i i found this guy in wrexham wales selling a triumph daytona oh. um so mm -hmm. i bought a uh Six, a no, no, no. This is oh. the older one. This oh, yeah, is the okay. Hinkley specials. Yeah, this yeah. is the Leicestershire Hinkley uh, uh, Triumph 900 yellow Daytona. Okay. Uh, where I, I did two more distinguished gentlemen rides on that bike and yeah. uh, sold that. I bought that bike for £900, sold it for 1400 Never, ever lost money on a bike, ever me. You know, and oh. uh, yeah. So I, I, had a, I had a Daytona. Uh, but it was a six seven five R. It was one Love of the it. last one of the last outruns. One of my favorite track bikes. If you want to learn on yeah. your skills, yeah. Because the pistons are bigger than a mm. four cylinder, mm. you get the torque out of the corners. Yeah. You don't have to rev the nuts out of it every mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Sounds amazing. Just a yeah. brilliant chassis. Twenty fourteen Billy McConnell Super Sport British Championship winner. Yeah. Great bike. Yeah. Great bike. Um. It also uh, the, the power delivery was just so um, just Lovely. in such a straight line, you know. It was yeah. it was all the way through. Uh, Absolutely, nice quick shifter on it, so you could just keep it pinned and uh, great bike bang up through the gearbox as you're. Love that. If I had budget, I means. would. I would, I would, I would love that bike. Beautiful so bike. yeah, got got rid of the bike. So got rid of the tri yellow Triumph. Got rid of the CX five hundred. I was only left with the Aprilia. And did a few track days on the Aprilia, crashed three times in one year, which was uh, rubbish. Um, but then I bought, recently, um, I missed that yellow Triumph. I I cried when that Triumph went, mm. you know. I, I literally had tears in my eyes. So I found one for just over 5K, a Triumph Daytona 900, exactly the same bike, but they made a limited edition of a bike called the Super 3. Looked exactly the same with a few carbon bits. In right. 93, that was a big deal. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And the head of the... I've done a documentary on the bike as well on my channel. And the head of the bike was was uh, done by Cosworth. Okay. Cosworth okay. was really? involved. Wow. Cosworth, yeah. So people think that the whole engine was done by Cosworth. I actually spoke to Cosworth and yeah. I spoke to Triumph. Yeah. Uh, but only the head... Uh, was was just an, and Keith what, what did Duckworth, they do? They just blueprint it or something. Well, they they Keith Duckworth, so Cosworth, yeah. The, the name Cosworth comes from Keith, sorry, uh, Mike Costin, Costin, Cos, uh -huh. Keith Duckworth, Worth, yeah. Cosworth, Cosworth. Okay, so I didn't two know chaps, that. Didn't yeah, know two that. chaps. Right. So they were they worked with Colin Chapman back in the day with the Lotus Forty Nine, the legendary Lotus Forty Nine. Mm. And uh, these guys, uh, you know, they uh, they really worked, uh, you know, with, with together with each other. So, so Triumph contacted them again, and mm. they in the early '90s, late '80s, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Bloom, 
Bloor, 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 Bloor. Yeah. The guy who owns Time yeah, see, now, he's, 100%. Yeah, well, well, Nick, Nick Bloor is his son. He's the CEO exactly. of Time. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So his dad. John Bloor. John Bloor. He got, you know, them two involved in the project. Mm-hmm. So everything was done by Triumph. But the head was um, in the in the Cosworth foundry. They had their own foundry. It was done there. They, they did a few, you know, the, I think they got 18, 16 or 18 horsepower out more on that bike. It had Alcon brakes, Tamworth, and not far from the Black Country. Yeah. There's a company called Alcon. They make brakes for the Ministry of Defense. Okay. They make brakes for electric cars, the IDR, the, the Nordschleifer, you know, record breaking car, you know, I'm geek, becoming geeky here now. They did a six-piston caliper for that bike. Yeah. The bike was way ahead of his uh, time six, when it came to... A six, hold on, six-piston six, six ca- caliper for a yeah. motorcycle. Motorcycle, six-piston. That Even, you know, now it sounds crazy. I mean, yeah, it does. that caliper, that caliper... Alcon put Triumph's name on the caliper, but that caliper, those caliper, you know, pair, that, that pair was used by many British superbike riders in yeah. the 90s and I mean, the late 90s. Those, even those Brembo M50s, they're bought forget, four, forget four, them. four pistons. Yeah, forget everything. That was a six-piston. I've still got that bike, that, that mm. Triumph. Amazing bike, you know. And I mean, there's not... Well, you've still got it. I've still got that Triumph. Yeah, yeah. Oh, love love okay. that. I'm not... Okay. I'm keeping that... I, I struggle to save money. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I struggle to save money. So what I do... It's a gateway drug. Buy, yeah, I buy an old motorcycle. Yeah, and the only reason I sold the old motorbikes is when I needed the money. So yeah. if I need the money, I will sell the bikes. Yeah. So after, so I've still got that bike. Then I, I was a, you know, I'm not a big Bollywood fan, but when you are a teenager, you sometimes yeah. come across movies, and you remember, like there was an a program, American program, which was dubbed in Hindi in India called Street Hawk. Okay. Do you remember it? Yes, I Street do. Street Hawk. I do. Yeah. Street Hawk. It was a there was a bike in the history talk. I had no idea what that bike was, but it was a great bike. You know, it was an off-roady, you know, converted into a roadie bike. You know, it was like a supermoto for the for the for the for that time. Yeah. So and there was a Bollywood movie with a Honda CBR 1000 F. Uh, you know, and I've done a video on that bike as well. But I thought one day I'm gonna buy that bike. So this mm. guy in lovely Devon was selling this bike for I don't know, nineteen hundred pounds. I contacted him, bought it, you know, straight away, mm. um, you know, and that's the second bike. It's it's like a sport tourer. It's okay. a straight, straight four cylinder engine, boring yeah. engine, yeah, but it's a beautiful power delivery. Yeah, you know, starts every time. The carburetors don't clog. You know, I don't. Mm. I'm not mechanically minded that much. I don't empty the carburetors during winter time. I leave the fuel in. I don't know if you. I don't know if you got an opportunity to see the first. Uh, episode that we did of Bike Spears and Banter, and um, that was with Alex Wynn, who's uh, I have not seen that one, I've seen the one Alex, with Rich Gibson, but I've not Al- seen that Alex, one. Alex Gwynn, sorry, not Wynn. Um, and Alex has got a 1970s CB750, which he's been uh, amazing r- restoring, and it is just a great bike, ju- uh, ju- you know, he's even got the right color of tank yeah. on it, and it's just that and was I, the first superbike. Yeah, and I love watching his that, little. I love yeah. watching his little videos because he's very, very, very uh, competent uh, yeah. mechanically. Wow. Although he's he he says to me that he's just you know 
just pretty normal normal level of of um, mechanical competency. But no, he's he's so go and have a look at his videos. He's, yeah. he's got a little, a little series of these little. I can't oh, do anything on my bike. I, I will look at his videos. And we're doing CPU brakes. Was- or... That that bike was the first superbike, you know, mm. a bike with electric starter. Mm. You know, when British bikes were 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 really struggling at that time, Norton, mm. BSA, Triumph. Mm. I mean, Triumph. Oh, they were, they were nearly... ankle breakers as well, weren't they? Exactly, and Triumph was mm. nearly gone in Meriden, Coventry, just outside Coventry. I think the only thing which, and I I spoke to a Triumph ex-employee who told me the the officer and the gentleman, Richard Gear. Okay. That movie saved Triumph really? for a bit. Really? Like yeah, because just... Richard Gere was riding that uh, yeah. Harley-style, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. uh, Triumph, and so so we were in 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 the doldrums, and this CB, uh, the seven fifty came, and it completely yeah. destroyed everything. Yeah, you know, and and my favorite kind of thing which I would love to own is the CBX one thousand six cylinder, the six cylinder, great big wide six cylinder job. Yeah, I've got I've got i one of my um, I I I go on LinkedIn quite a lot actually, and. Um, uh, for work-related stuff, you know, and uh, there's a chap there that I'm connected with who lives just over in Yorkshire, and he's yeah. got this CX, CBX, CBX a thousand, uh, which is yeah, it's got this really wide, wide engine block on this bike, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that bike. That bike, a good condition bike, mm. a really pristine one is twenty four thousand, twenty thousand these days. Oh wow. And and an and, and an okay condition is about fourteen, twelve thousand. Yeah, those bikes are really I mean, I think there were there are three major six cylinder bikes which are famous. The Benelli nine hundred, the Kawasaki, the Kawasaki six cylinder, I think it's a twelve hundred if I'm not wrong. And then the, the CBX. But the most common one is the CBX. I don't uh, remember the Kawasaki yeah. six-cylinder uh, at the, all. There's a six-cylinder Kawasaki, hundred percent, and it was a bit more bulkier than the the than the. I can't say sleeker, but it is sleek six CBX one thousand. But mm. that I would love that bike, and I would love the Top Gear, not Top Gear, Top Gun Kawasaki. Oh, it was the, a J, No, it wasn't a JPZ, was it? it was a. G, I think it's called JPZ nine hundred. Nine hundred. Oh, I thought nine hundred. JPZ nine hundred, yeah. They did it. They did a. They did a turbo seven fifty, and then a nine hundred yeah. naturally aspirated. Yeah. Did you know? And it, next time you watch the old Top Gear, yeah. uh, Top Gun, not Top Gun, Top Gun. There is no Kawasaki badging on that bike because Kawasaki refused to give them the bike. Oh, so they debranded it. So, so they debranded it, and mm. then in the recent. Knew. Everyone and knew the what recent it was. Movie, and that the bike became so popular with that movie. But in the recent movie, Kawasaki actually approached Top Gun and said, <laughs> we will give you the bike, the H2R, and oh. Tom Cruise can keep it for free. Right. You know, so so this is, so that bike, I would love to own that because the, those bikes, you can still buy them for two to 3,000 to 4,000 in great condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, the 1982, the, the, the earlier one with the 16 inch wheel wheel you're is... you're a proper addict abby i think i'm yeah, exactly. as a proper addict well yeah because if you cuz when i bought the triumph and i bought the honda then this gentleman not far from the brand hatch circuit advertised a suzuki gxsr 1100 okay the bike which was this the guru well, the 750cc was the guru of the superbike. It started the superbike era, yeah. but the 1100 was a bit more powerful. And he was advertising that, and I did not have the money. I begged, borrowed, and steal. I 
it, and it was a pristine bike and I bought it and I somehow bought it and it is it's so pristine that even the classic Suzuki guys um I did a, yeah yeah um a, a Cadwell meet uh, with them and yeah. they they looked at it and they were like this is unbelievable it was basically the guy stripped the whole bike new wiring loom new everything yeah you know new paint new galvanizing new everything new yoshimura full system mm. so that is the recent and the last purchase so we've got the honda cbr 1000f which is in not a great nick but it looks fantastic and it, when you look at it from far it, yeah. it looks brand new the the aprilia which is the race bike the triumph daytona 900 super 3 cosworth and the uh, suzuki gxsr 1100 so four bikes at the moment yeah, so um, some pretty amazing uh, retro old school bikes there. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's 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 from an era when I was getting into bikes. Um, you know, you're you're talking. I can imagine. About, yeah, well, you know, I had uh, I had I had a really privileged upbringing because mom and dad had three motorbike shops. And, no way! I never that, knew that. And my, and my brother used to work in one of them as well, so he had the key to get into the back uh, garage, where all the second-hand bikes were kept. And on a Sunday, we would just me and my brother would go in there, unknown to my parents, and uh, take out whatever was was there. And I was 15, brilliant. And I was fifteen at the time. <laughs> That is unbelievable. Riding a GS a thousand out the away out the back roads at fifteen years old, you know. So, I'm... that is a, well. Well, I'll have to do a part podcast on my channel because that's really got me going. That is interesting. I'm going to do a podcast on my channel, and I'll have you on my podcast. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> RD uh, RD four hundred. Um, my brother wow. had an, an RD four hundred. It was a a barn find, so he drove it back from. He picked it up really cheap. Drove it back uh, on one cylinder. Uh, no way. Yeah. Then uh, got it in the workshop. Um, took it out to some of the lads he knew, who would uh, port it and uh, skim the heads, uh, port the barrels, and uh, this is just once this bike. Once he got this bike back on the road. Uh, micron expansion chambers, yeah, just a proper two-stroker, you know, and air, air, air-cooled two-stroker. And this thing, once it hit the power band, the front wheel was never on the ground. It was just... I can understand, yeah. It was always yeah. up there. And I used to be on the back as ballast. <laughs> that- the wrong kind of ballast, because you will help with the wheelie even more well, if you're it, at the back. Yeah. That was it. Exactly. That was it. Yeah. No, they were legendary bikes. We, I think, in the UK, I'm pretty sure Damon Hill, the ex Formula One driver, mm-hmm. he used to race the 350. Oh, the LC 400. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 350 CC one, and I think we had a we had a championship of that uh, in the UK. I mean, I wasn't I, in this country, but yeah. I got but, I got speaking to. I was at Motorcycle Live last year. Right, not, uh-huh. not not this last one passed. Yeah, and um, Hodgson McKenzie, the the yes, uh, I was there. I, right. I had took a picture with him. Yeah, right. So I got speaking to uh, Neil McKenzie, and I was I was just admiring the it was a 
I think I'm not sure whether it was a 250 or a 350 LC that he had on the stand. And I was admiring it and uh, he came over and started speaking to me and said, oh, do you like the LCs? And I said, yeah, just, you know, and I just got t- chatting away to him about, you know, we had the dealership for them up in, up in the northeast of Scotland and all right, right, right. Yes. And, uh, oh, that conversation just led to, uh, you know, our, then I got, then I got chatting with, uh, uh, Neil introduced me to his son, Taylor. T Mac, yeah, right. He was there vlogging as well. I didn't see him there, but I just got introduced to him through over WhatsApp, and then I introduced Taylor to uh, one of the helmet manufacturers that we were where we are and we're working for, working with, and uh, Taylor's now got sponsorship with with those guys as well. So yeah, because it was perfect timing for Taylor because I think Taylor was finishing his British Superstock mm-hmm. Championship and going into managing. A Moto three team. Moto three team. That's right. Yeah, with the two um, young lads. With uh, oh god, what's his name? Uh, what's his? I forgot the name of the lads, but two young yeah. lads. Yeah, very yeah. talented lads. Yeah, I saw Taylor on the same day or a day before. He was there, so I had the similar camera as Taylor. We mm. were vlogging everything. Mm. He didn't have the gimbal, mm. and I showed him the gimbal, and he was like, "Oh my god, a gimbal cuts out all the judder." I said, yeah. yes, Taylor, you need to get mm. a gimbal for your YouTube channel. Mm. And I met him at the Silverstone track day in 2020 when he was helping his dad because his dad coaches there. He's got the uh, Silverstone Masterclass. All oh, right. Um, uh, yeah. So they, mm. his dad is is the be all and the end all of mm. the Masterclass. Mm. And him, he gets Neil McKen- uh He gets uh, Hodgson. Hodgson. He gets a few. Uh, Graham Hardy, I know uh, mm. him. He's, his son is uh, in the... Uh, the super, uh, the super sport, the 400 cc championship mm. in the British Superbike Championship, and uh, Taylor was there teaching people as well. So I met him there, mm. and when he just started his YouTube channel, and then I met him nine months later, and I told him, mm. "You still haven't bought the gimbal, Taylor." Yeah, yeah. So it was quite. No, I remember mm. that lo- exact location where where um, Neil Hodgson and Neil McKenzie was there with their lovely bikes. So uh, with yeah, their. <coughs> there was Excuse BSB. Me. They're old BSB. Mm. They blue blue BSB of. Uh, I think there was a was there a ten nine eight Ducati or yes that one and and also Neil McKenzie's old bike as well triple nine oh, eight, by eight five one or something. I'm just plucking numbers out the sky. Uh, it's all right. I love the <laughs> I love the Ducati eight five one by the way. So no. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. So I I did. I did two one-hour videos of that NEC last year. Mm. Didn't do well at all. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 re- I created a whole load of content because I had a gimbal as well, but I was just using it. was a, a, uh, an Osmo. Uh, yeah, so using, they are great. So I was just using my phone. No. Phone, yeah. So mm. many people don't realize mm. how good phones are. I mean, this can do 4K yeah. with stabilization. Yeah. Yeah. Stabilization better than the DSLR camera, which is which yeah. is there. Yeah, you know yeah. The, yeah. these gadgets. Now this is an iPhone 11. Okay. And so many people don't realize even an iPhone 11, which is three generations old. Yeah. You know, I've done so many vlogs on YouTube, and yeah. they've not realized that it's just been done. The whole thing is done I, on I, the phone. On my phone. iPhone's an XS. It's a it's a, a 10. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's ancient. 
proper ancient. Only an year older than mine. No way. <clears throat> We're okay. We're okay. So, um, crashes. You've had some crashes. Yeah, yeah. We, we talked about that. We talked a little bit about the crashes earlier. Sorry, I'm just going to dip out of sight here whilst I reach for. No, my... you're you're still in you're still in sight. Fine. I'm I'm just about to reach for my final brew dog. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach for my nobbly nut, or is it Nobby's nut, the yeah. one to get in the pub? <laughs> I don't know. That's with my uh, whiskey. Nobby, Nobby's nuts. Nobby's nuts. No, no, Nobby's nuts. Yeah. Fenar, fenar. <laughs> I've even got a little fridge down here. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So my beer is maintained at a perfect temperature. Perfect. So let's perfect. talk about let's talk about crashes. I know it's they come in. Uh, the crashes are like buses; two come at once, mm. you know. And uh, honestly, um, I think the first ever crash I had, I had my my pristine. And when I say pristine, pristine RSV4 RF, and I always thought I'm uncrushable, you know. And I was doing some pretty okay lap times. I think I was one minute one at Mallory, two minute. The two minute thirty, two minute twenty nine at Silverson GP configuration, I was going well. But again, going back to the topic of, I wasn't reverse engineering. What are the right tire pressures? I don't know. I I couldn't oh. be bothered because I used to ride to the track and ride back. I couldn't be bothered to reduce my temperatures of my uh, pressures of my tires. I would just run the same. Um, kind of uh, temperature uh, pressures yeah, yeah, and I would be in the fast group, uh, intermediate fast uh, group and uh, I, your, your, your tires are not getting up to proper uh, no, they were. temperature were they? No they were, they, absolutely they were but the problem was if you've ridden to a track at 40 PSI and you're doing really well at the track mm -hmm. you are now 55 PSI yeah. probably if not more. Mm -hmm. So, and whereas you should be at 28 or 24 or 30 PSI, you know, depending front or back. So mm -hmm. the first crash at Corpse Corner, the famous Corpse Corner, which is a very fast right-hander at Silverstone. Oh, and, I then, gave my... and then down the... No, oh, then... No, I'm sorry, then... no, I'm thinking about Brands Hatch, sorry. No, 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 no. This is Silverstone, Corpse Corner. After yeah. Corpse Corner, you've got the Maggots and Beckets. So... Um, this is the famous corner, if you watch Formula One, where Hamilton and Verstappen had a huge crash last to last year. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, I I gave my tire to the tire guy to change. He changed it up. You know, he put them back on for me. Thank you very much. I never checked the tire pressures. Never. You know, I was following the instructor, doing really well. Did a two minute 30, the best ever I did uh, at Silverstone, you know, mm. and um, at inter in, in the intermediate group. And just corpse corner just crashed and then I measured my tire temperatures, tire pressures, sorry, and they were um, 52 or 48 PSI, where I should be 24 PSI yeah. in the rear. Yeah, I mean, that's it, really, was really high. Stupid, absolutely stupid of me uh, to not check that. And this is why I say reverse engineer your learning process, yeah. go back, yeah. uh, you know, and, and just learn a few things. Nowadays, people are more... I'm talking about 2018, uh, yeah. you know, four, nearly four and a half years ago. But nowadays, you know, there's so much help online, mm. you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. right and wrong help, uh, but help, you yeah. know. And 
honestly. And then that was the first crash, high-speed crash. Uh, you know, we can put a footage of that on the screen as well. I've got footage of all the crashes, except yeah. for the last one. Uh, so high-speed crash, went into the gravel very gently. I kept, I, I don't know what, what came to me. I never left my bike. Mm. Uh, even though I was sliding all the way to the gravel, I never left the handlebars. And I think that helped the bike not flip. Okay. Because if the bike flips that's at, at a gravel sucks. trap, yeah, that's more damage. So yeah. I only had damage on the one side, and it was easily sort, uh, easily sorted, uh, with with some two panels job done mm -hmm. and a new uh, can sorted. So not much damage at all. So that was the first crash. Um, the second crash happened at Snetterton Circuit. I booked myself a track day a week before. Bemsey, the British Motorcycle Racing Club. Bemsey? No. The British Motor Bemsey. Uh, British Motorcycling Club. Yeah. You know, I I yeah. probably got that wrong. Yeah. But the people know I'm talking about. So I the whiskey is getting to me now. So uh, <laughs> so so, so a week a week before Bemsey guys were gonna have a race, I was there. So basically we had and I booked myself in the fast group because I had done Three euros in the same month. I had done hmm. um, a Cadwell Park, a Donington Park, and I did a really decent lap time at Donington, one minute forty-two or something, on the hottest record day until it was beaten this year, thirty-nine point nine degrees. And so I was having a great year, hmm. you know. And uh, I had the Silverson crash, and then a week later I had this Snetterton thing, hmm. and then I crashed again. Mm -hmm. Or it was the other way around. Anyways, I crashed a week later. Yeah. So two crashes in two weeks. I yeah. booked myself on a day where we had races galore in the fast group. Mm -hmm. And after doing those three Euros in 2019, in April, I was booking myself in the fast group every time because I was decent yeah. at that. Uh, you know, and But you're not as decent as club races from yeah. Bemsey. Oh. You know, so mm. I put myself under too much pressure and mm. crashed on the first session. Mm. Uh, I'll break myself and nearly crash into someone. And I knew I was going to crash into him and I braked even more. So I crashed my, I self crashed, yeah. you know, yeah. and it was a lovely, lovely crash. Nice <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, like time, when for, you've had a, time for a cup of tea in the way down, yeah. sliding down the road. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, once you've had Two three crashes. You can call. You can actually yeah. uh, grade them. Rate my rate crash. <laughs> rate and grade. Yeah, like the rate the plate or something on, on yeah, ratemycrash.com. Yeah, rate my crash. So it was a nice crash. Uh, you know, we can put a footage of that as well. And yeah. it wasn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't too bad, but it was gutting because two crashes in two weeks. Oh yeah, is, yeah. is not nice. Yeah. Luckily, it was September. And, you know, I had nearly done with my uh, track days. But that Silverstone crash, no. Okay, I remember now. Snetterton was first, which I've just mentioned. Yeah. And then Silverstone was a week later. That Silverstone crash, okay, we go back again. My first crash was at Corpse Corner. Yeah. My second crash was that Snetterton one. Right. Okay. And then a week later, I was at Silverstone again. So the first crash was at 2018. The second crash at Snetterton was at 2019, but a week later I was at Silverson. So I was all ready for Silverson. I had patched yeah. the bike up yeah. Yeah. at Silverson. Cold day. Mm -hmm. And in those days, I was I used to use second-hand tires from British Superbikes. 
again, wrong tires for the wrong day. A very cold day, and I was using an SC0 qualifying tire. Mm-hmm. Wrong SC0 slick. Wrong tire for the wrong day. Yeah. Anyways, uh, farm corner. Farm corner is a corner which is a very fast left-hander, but you have many right-handers before that because mm-hmm. most of the UK circuits are clockwise. Yep. Yeah. UK. And a tip, if I can mention, Paul Paul Curran, which Rich Gibson also mentioned from mm. PCR Performance, they won yeah. the British Superbike Championship this year. Yeah. Paul Curran installed my tire temperature sensors in my bike. Okay. Yeah. And he put the tire temperature infrared sensor on the left-hand side of the rear mudguard and the front mudguard because he said the right-hand side is always going to be warm because okay. the clockwise tracks yeah. are in yeah. the UK. Yeah. So Makes you're sense. always going to have... So you 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 have the tire pre- tire temperature sensor on the on the left, mm. so it's always measuring the temperature mm. on the left. Mm. So that's just a quick tip. Anyways, so farm corner, a left hander. I was just too fast behind the trainer again. Mm. Um, you know, behind the trainer at Silverson, first crash. Behind the trainer, third crash. Uh, again, putting myself under too much pressure. Mm. Just lost the front. Went sliding and sliding. Unfortunately, the bike must have touched something, a curb or something, and it rolled it in caught, the air, caught. came yeah. back. Damage to my foot, yeah. which still hurts slightly <clears throat> but after three years, but a lot of damage to the bike. But I have a friend called Gogo Gomez who, who gets featured in my YouTube videos quite often because yeah. we do a lot of track days together. He sorted my bike out. He does all the labor work. I only had to give him parts. Right. You know, it didn't charge me a single penny. Amazing guy, yeah. You know, because yeah. I saved a lot that's of labour. Because that's the fear for me is just the sheer. It's not the cost. Well, yes, obviously there's a cost of tires, fuel, getting there, accommodation, and if that's that's a thing, uh, you know, the costs. It doesn't take long to, for you to actually see how these costs ramp up, and then, and then you have an off, exactly, you know, and you just think, oh, geez, you know, but just. All these costs. And remember, and the 1199 mm. is not a common bike. No. Because because the 899 came out and mm-hmm. the 1199 came out. Absolute genius by Ducati. Longer service intervals, less belts in the That's engine. Right. Yeah. Great bikes. Chain, However, chain. The, yeah. Yeah. Very quickly, they introduced the 1299. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not many people have got the 1199. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you crash your 1199, it's very hard to get the parts, mm. the fairings, and yeah. you don't want to have the Chinese, you know, fiberglass crap, you know, and and, and stuff, because so. it, it's just you will always know it's not the same. Yeah, you yeah. know. So yeah. I can understand what you mean completely. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of the a lot of the twelve nine nine parts will probably fit the eleven nine nine. Essentially, is it? Could be. Mm. I think the twelve nine nine was a little bit more wider because they were really gunning to win the British Superbikes with uh, Shaky Burn. Oh, shaky. Uh, with, uh, yeah, yeah, with the 1299. So they mm. made the fairing a bit wider, just like the BMW have done that now with Scott Redding. Mm. Bigger rider, bigger fairing, more yeah. of a fish yep. mode yep. moment, more of a streamlining. So, so I think maybe the 1299 fairings were a little bit wider. I might be wrong. The Ducatista can can correct me on the comment section. Yeah, you see, I just that, that that's that's where you lose me as well. You know, I'm I'm uh, I like I like my bike. Um you know, I know a fair bit about it. Um but you know I don't I don't get 
worked up about having to no, know absolutely exactly. every single detail about it. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So yeah, going back to the crashes, so there were three crashes within a year mm. and then nothing for 2020, 2021. And so two, two and a half years, no crashes. And then 2022, a testing day before my first race. So Friday, so Thursday was the testing day. I shouldn't yeah. call it a testing day. It was a track day. But 90% yeah. of the people on that track day were racers because we were racing on Sunday and Saturday. Yeah. So testing day uh, was Thursday. I crashed on the testing day. I only had 48 hours, less than 48 hours to repair my bike to pass scrutineering yeah. uh, on, on Saturday. And scrutineers saw a big hole in my lower fairing. And I had to patch that up uh, half an hour before the endurance race oh, started. Gaffer tape. Uh, no, it was a fiberglass job. He oh said, you need God. to buy a fiberglass kit, fiberglass it before the race luckily i had fiberglassed uh once before so i knew what to do and yeah, my team yeah. amazing team again uh you know they don't exist anymore but i'll give them a shout out they helped me with that as well i thought, Jamie I was, and Jimmy. I thought this was going to take you back to your days at bp the bp garage no oh spearmint <laughs> rhino yeah imagine me wearing a hoodie of spearmint rhino no oh my goodness no 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 so yeah that was the, the that was that crash and then the, the last crash, which I just mentioned, you know, the Anglesey Coastal Circuit, yeah. big high side. Yeah. So, yeah, to be honest, I've not done that bad. Six years of track riding and yeah. four crashes. Um, it's okay. That's pretty you know? good. Yeah. It's okay. I, I yeah, think I it's mean... okay. I, I think they were avoidable. All of them were avoidable because especially the Anglesey track day, uh, sorry, Anglesey race track, four times my electronics on my bike are a bit old school. So like 1199 electronics, a little bit old school. Yeah. They are on and off. Yeah. My bike gave me four warnings to okay. say, I'm going to high side you. Right, okay. I'm going to high side you. One yeah. in qualifying and three during the race. Because right. when I did the 68-minute stint, I had three near high sides. But my bike saved me. And I use a little over-suspension device. Not going into detail. It's, it's a device used by an Italian team called Barney Racing Team. It's a mass damper, which... Mm -hmm bolts onto your swing arm, it helps with um, oscillations on the swing arm. So it helps you with the high sides and stuff. I've done two videos on that, but that's a separate topic altogether. But yeah. that and the electronics saved me from three, four high sides. But then the fifth one, the mm. bike said, mm. you you can't have that because there was an orange vest guy. Remember yeah. I said I was yes. obsessed with overtaking yeah, all yeah, orange yeah, vests. Yeah, yeah. So I had one last orange vest guy left which was right in front of me. So Orange Vest guy is a novice rider, but novice riders are quick riders because they are still racers. Yeah. I just gave it too much to overtake him, to line him up for the corkscrew, mm. and I crashed at the peel corner at Anglesey Coastal Circuit, big high side, but mm. so that these are the crashes. But yeah, you, uh, you learn from them. You and is this how we actually came about to meet each other? That is a very good point because um, when I had the testing crash, um, I had a very so I am quite a um, awake person when I have a crash. I know what's happening, you know, straight away. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, I had my held up because my helmet was very expensive, eight hundred pounds, <laughs> and I had my I, in three crashes in a row. My head was mm -hmm. up, but this testing crash at Donington, yeah. I had a 
finer grace on the tarmac, finer mm. grace. Mm. And funny enough, AGV guy was present on the track. He looked at it and was like, ah, it's a minor crash uh, and a minor grace. I can't give you anything in writing, but you can use it for racing. No problem. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. No problem. Yeah. I then uh, raced with that helmet, but because it was only 48 hours, you know, I, I, I did it because I took the word of, I took his word. Yeah. But between that race and the next race, I then came to you guys, the helmet mm. inspection company. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, it was a minor grace. Let's see what you guys say. And I went to the East Midlands uh, premises so of yours. Our, our, our lab, yes. Yeah. Yep. Lab, your lab l- laboratory yeah. met Professor John from oh, JT, yes. Yeah. Prestigious uh, yeah. Loughborough University, if That's I'm right. not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he explained to me about the Bentley engine he's worked on and the, the hulls of the the boats and the lifeboats and 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 what I was surprised about the helmet inspection company is I thought it was a one-man band, you. Yeah. You've got a machine mm. and you just scan helmets. Yeah. No. Yeah. You work with a team. You have a huge premises. <laughs> you scan retinas. You scan lifeboats. You scan yeah. hulls of, of uh, ferries. You yeah. scan crash uh, bridges, the the base of bridges. Yeah. You scan yeah, everything right. and everything. Yeah. And, and, and when I say scan... I mean, deep into it. So, mm. so yeah, going back. So I came to you guys, you know, I, I, uh, along with four other helmets from, from uh, my uh, acquaintances and I had an old helmet, a cafe racer helmet, uh, a, a touring That's helmet, right. yep. a race helmet yep. and a road biking helmet. And we scanned all four, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And um, all of them were okay, except mine, a minor graze on that yeah. AGV pista, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I could not believe I couldn't believe that that minor graze was I and and the best thing about that was not only you put a little hologram, mm. uh, a digital hologram I should say I don't know what you call it, mm. on the helmet which stores the data of my helmet which mm. says you cannot use it anymore or you know different stages of it scanning. Uh, I also knew exactly where the problem was that's right yeah yeah so you know, put a little sticker a red sticker little red sticker to annotate where the uh center of the damage is but exactly but that scale and size of the damage can extend out much much further it's like a absolutely absolutely like, and, and like sticking a pin in the center of a a, a spider <laughs> the legs yeah. are much wider and if you think about it, a, a little yeah. pin, a little pinhole, a little hairline crack, and, and it's it's like windscreens these days mm. in the snow. Yeah, you know, a little chip can turn into a crack. Well, uh, same thing, you yeah. know, same thing with the with the with the helmet. So they really pinpointed the problem of yeah. my helmet. And hey, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to blow the trumpet of your of your company in this podcast. But well, what I want to say. Yeah, I mean, I I just, sorry, Abby. I was just going to say, you know, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the point of the podcasts, but I'm, I know, I'm, but what, I'm, what I'm, I'm always, saying, I'm always worried. Company, I'm always, I'm always pleased to hear people blowing our trumpet. I won't stop. I know. But which that. company will give you a certificate to say you can use this helmet or you yeah. can't use this helmet on the track? If yeah. the AGV guy could not give me an email or a text to say you can use it or not, 
Yeah, I mean, we can, we for me, that, that was a big time. deal. Yeah. So you 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 told me that you can't use that helmet anymore, mm. uh, and I just bought I just bought. And luckily, with a race license, mm. the helmet which could have cost me six hundred costed me five eighty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, six hundred, nine hundred yeah. cost me five eighty. Yeah. You know, so I that I mean the proof is in the pudding. That's the helmet mm. you scanned. That's yeah. the helmet I bought. Yeah. Same helmet, just a you know FIM uh, homologated. Yeah. Yeah, helmet now, you yeah, know. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. So it, the crashes. Not only I, I learned a few things, uh, about my body, about the things, about tires, about suspension, mm. about mm. being, you know, not using the wrong tires in the wrong time. Also about even if it's a minor grace. Yeah, know, I, I came. Yeah, I mean your your was, sto your story um is not unique, Abby. Um, you know I've got what. What one of my next guests? I've got a couple lined up um, further down the line. One of my next guests is um, a super sport rider from BSB, a uh, chap called uh, Ben Tolliday. Uh, oh, and um, I, I don't follow super sport as much as I sport, uh, follow super stock because I know a lot of people. But I've come across this chap on uh, on his Facebook page. He's yeah. a great, great guy. Obviously, just such a lovely guy. You know, yeah, you know him more than you know, me. Yeah, I love. I just, I just, I love it. Uh, I love speaking to these guys because they're so calm and relaxed, right? And yet, you know, they're they're you're seeing them send it into a corner at top speed, and they're breaking the back wheels off the ground, the legs dangling out, you know, and they're. And everything's going on at the same time, you know. And you think, yeah, there's no way I could do that. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, anyway, so Ben Ben's uh, going to be coming on uh, soon as well. I've already lined that up with him. Um, That's really good. But you're right about these guys. They were. I, mean, I I spoke to Storm Stacy last week, and I spoke to Jason on Halloran. Well, I have a problem with my sinuses. I can't breathe properly from my from my nose really bad so um i've got a deviated septum like a boxer's nose you know so i can't breathe so jason o'halloran the british superbike rider mm. he wears he you've the, got the same problem yeah he he, he uses the um, he wears a black i message i mean you know if if someone's watching this podcast outside the uk i mean these british super stock super sports super spike riders are so approachable you know, mm -hmm. I was speaking to Storm Stacey with a top hat, you know, mm -hmm. last yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, and Jason O'Halloran, I spoke to him five days ago. Yeah. I messaged him on Facebook saying, what is the name of the company who do do this? Because I messaged me in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a, a runner up to the British Superbike Championship yeah. last last year when, when yeah. uh, Taz yeah. McKenzie won it. Yeah. You know, um, I think if I'm. I think I think I'm I'm right or wrong. I think yeah, he was Taz won it. Ta Taz won it last year. Taz yeah. won it, and Jason might be second. Jeez, Jason O'Halloran, he's McCams. He's uh, McCams Yamaha, isn't he? He's still with McCams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Taz McKenzie is going to World Super Sport announced this morning. BSB. If no one knew. Yeah. No, no. So Taz McKenzie BSB. So Taylor McKenzie's brother. Yeah, Taz. Yeah, Neil McKenzie's uh, son. Youngest one. This yeah. morning it was announced he is going to World Super Sport. Words. With factory Honda, like a satellite factory Honda thing, World Supersport. So you know you got British Supersport, the guy you're gonna have yep. 
Yeah. Next, mm-hmm. you got World Sports Super Sport as well, and he's going to be racing with that in that, and that was announced this morning. Uh, that's a bit of an unusual. Well, for me, it sounds like an unusual yep. move, doesn't it? When you go on to super bikes and it's let's it's still we, in a world a thing. So on, can we put a pause on this one again? Because that's just yeah, yeah. Once I once I've gone once, that's fine. That's it. That's, that's Carry on. It. No, just, pro- just... it's fine. No problem. I'll okay. just attend to uh, to the my daughter. Okay, pal. So, um, yeah, it's just, I've enjoyed it tonight. I've, I've yeah. enjoyed our, our chat. I know. I mean, I've, what's that? My third, like... I've had two or three. I, I can't even remember. But yeah, and yeah. Nobby's Nobby's nuts and some and good, Nobby's nuts good and single and, malt whiskey and Aldi walnuts. Oh. I've got no sponsors, but I love <laughs> Aldi walnuts. Oh, you have now, Abby. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So maybe well, I should ask Spearman Reiner to uh, sponsor me next year because <laughs> I kept their uh, women hydrated or dehydrated. Oh my goodness! I just <laughs> I don't know. I don't. And and if people, if if someone's watching this podcast and you're just joining in now and you had just heard Spearman Reiner, dehydrated women or hydrated women, yeah. you should watch the whole podcast. You yeah, would be surprised. I'll, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, B, BP fuel garages. Um. So, um, I've 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 had a good laugh. I've enjoyed it. I've all I always have a good laugh with you, Abby. Um, I've got some stories. You're always, you know, you know, you're always good, good, good for a laugh. And um, I tell you, my ex boss, which was a, a like a corporate banking director, yeah. when I was leaving my corporate role and joining the fraud team, he gave me a book, the most interesting sick notes <laughs> ever, because <laughs> I would call in for sick leave, yeah. and it would be the most interesting. One like once, once I I I I rang up for a sick sick leave in two thousand nine, saying yeah. my my toothbrush was made of a very glassy plastic. It broke in my mouth and it stabbed my cheek, and I've got blood coming out of my mouth. <laughs> and I never came to work for four days. <laughs> so did that make it into the book? Uh, it it was a book written by someone with the most interesting sick note. Yeah. So. That was obviously my invention uh, of a sick to, note. But you need, to, I think, Abby. I think you. Need I need to, to write your, a new book. You, you need to get at least get your name in there with that story. I would exactly, I would. exactly. So, um, yeah, I was just uh, just going to say. Well, we could wrap this up now, Abby. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been. I how how long could, have you? I think we could we, probably go go on for a few more hours. You but know what? I've run out of beer. I've yeah, and I've you know, it. I've not run out of whiskey, but uh, no, yeah, I know what you That's mean. That's a schoolboy error on my part. <laughs> I do apologize. That's all right. Well, I must That's absolutely okay. Must try harder. <laughs> but what room are you in? Your garage, or this is a very interesting uh, space you're in. Yeah. yeah. So is it like I see? What I would love mm. is going forward is is having a garage where I could log from the garage as well with the bikes. Yeah. Because that could bring such a uh, a breath of fresh air. And I've always uh, thought of that, yeah. you know, and, 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 and so, and I think I'm going to try what you're doing is a bit of a, a green screen effect, which, which works really well. 
how dare you? This is this is my. Um... Is it? Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I'm offended. <laughs> I dare you. Yeah, no, that's oh, yeah. my that's my V4 R. Panic it is V4 R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. How how can you tell if it's a V4 R? The galvanized tank. I think. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You know your bikes, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the Guzzy, Gutsy. Yeah, I love the Gutsy. Yeah. Love the Gutsy, yeah. yeah. See, the Guzzy and Gutsy thing is very funny because we don't call, we don't say pizza, we say pizza. Mm -hmm. So it's Gutsy. It's Gutsi. the same. Motor Gutsy. It's the same. Yeah, Motor Gutsy. So Moto people who say Guzzy could mm. think in the UK that you won't call pizza yeah. or pizza, it's pizza Gutsy. You know, so similar. The Z thing. The depth it's, in this conversation, Abby, is just... It's just, unreal. Just knows no bounds, honestly. Unreal. Let's unreal. wrap it up here, pal. Um, yeah. I'm going to... Next time I'm down in the black country, I'm going to look you up and... Uh, Absolutely. Most uh, welcome. Yeah. Uh, listen to well, that. Well, you're not far from me, from the East Midlands... That is true. From your lab. That from is your lab. true. I'm, that, I'm in the West Midlands. Yeah, so that is true, but I usually go, you know, north. Like, south, I can understand. North. I can south. understand. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not far for you, but you know, for me, it's a bit of a mission. Yeah. 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 But let's see what 2023 uh, brings. Um, you know, plans I, I, are it. Plans are to just um, have more vlogs, a, yeah. a few short form vlogs as well, to yeah. get into the the short form game. Yeah. You know, and you're gonna and sell your soul I, out to the short form game, are you? I know. I've I've got a TikTok as well now. And I've tagged you I've tagged you guys a few times. I know you have, I know you have. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, so you guys are on TikTok as well. So yeah. TikTok, Instagram, I'm I'm trying I'm I'm not doing this sleazy, cheesy crappy stuff, you know, on, on Instagram and stuff or 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 a TikTok, yeah. trying to yeah. bring some quality in. So let's see. Uh, you know, I'm gonna spend some time. I need some. I need a good garage space where I can vlog without echo, um, and mm -hmm. I need to think a few things. Um, a warm garage. I've got radiators in that garage, luckily, but I need some space. I've got too many bikes and too many paddock stands. Mm. You know, I, I need to organize my garage a bit, and that's what I want to do in winter: produce some short form content. Content. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Okay. So, 2023. What's what's happening next year? No racing, no racing oh. at all, uh, because it's just yeah. It's even though Expensive. it's endurance, it's it it can get expensive, especially mm. if you crash. Mm. What I want to do is just come back two steps, read a few books, get some coaching, do mm. some track days with mm. coaching, mm. and then maybe 2024, 2025, think about racing again, uh, and getting a budget together and getting a team together. But it will be endurance racing because the the normal uh, newcomer class or or the normal uh, kind of single class is so competitive. Uh, you know, I, endurance racing is, I'm a team player. I love people. I'm mm. a people person. Mm. I think I work well in a team. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, next year will be just coaching and track days and learning. Reverse gear a bit. Yeah. Probably. Which I should have done in 2017, yeah. 2018. Yeah, I do find that sometimes I need to take a step back, take two steps yeah. forward, you know. Absolutely. And I think that's, yeah, I, I totally get that, honestly. Absolutely. Abby, um, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you so much you. for your time this evening. Um, Not a problem. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. And uh, how, 
Um, if people want to check out your YouTube channel, it is chasing tents, chasing as in chasing, yeah. tents as in you know what. Kids from school understand tense, the word tense better than yeah. a lot of people out there because kids learn about tense, two yeah, tenths, one, three one tenths. tenths yeah, yeah. Exactly. So tense as in tense of a second, T-E-N-T-H-S. Yeah. I've got a website, chasingtense.co.uk, but it's mainly, yeah. you know, I'm mainly YouTube chasing tense, uh, yeah. you know, um, and uh, yeah, I'm, you know, mainly doing track day and uh, hmm. uh, racing vlogs and uh, trying to get into road reviews because my road reviews have done really well. Mm. You know, people really connect with the road reviews. So let's, let's see, a, a, a variety of content is going to come in the, in the future, but I'm not going to be a sellout, mm. which is a, a brand sellout, you know, mm -hmm. or a, mm -hmm. or a company sellout. It's going to be a, a very yeah. just, a yeah. people's, a people's vlog, yeah. not a vlog yeah. for a, uh, a company's sake. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just like this podcast, it's yeah. not been about, any company, including it, yours or mine. It's, it's not. I mean, that's it's just, you know, bit of bike, bit of bikes, bit of beer, bit of banter, you know, and that's I, I, I want to just keep it true to that to that cause as well. Um yep. so chasing tenths, uh and the, you know, but go check out Abby on YouTube, this YouTube chap YouTube channel, I should say. Um I always find his uh, videos uh really informative, really interesting. And uh hey. Good luck for 2023, Abby. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, Martin. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Pleasure was mine. Thank you. Take care. Best of luck. Take Cheers, care. Buddy. Take care, everyone.